0: Hey there, impressive clergyman. This is Eniash Brodsky. Hey, Eniash Brodsky. This is Stephen. Stephen, well, how did you manage to join the clergy and become really impressive in it? Well, in real life, I joined the,
1: or I became an ordained minister of the Church of the Dude the Sweet. month I got married. This one was because of the, the wedding. All I could think of was that scene from Princess
0: Bride. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today this damn good movie i need to rewatch it i don't think i've seen it in at least 10 years it's weird i, I saw it playing on tv and like you know it's kind of a b movie and when you first see it on tv for the first minute or two you're like oh wow this is so so not good and then you're like oh my god this is amazing like all it takes is about 100 120 seconds and you're back in because it's just it's a it, it is a damn good movie even though like it's b movie-esque it's just good
1: well now you've got me hyped for it I don't oh, think ye. it'll take much persuading to get it on
0: here either. We usually don't have like a long list of things to watch, but list is fairly long right now, actually. I mean, if you've already seen it, I would put things that you haven't seen above it because that's just yeah. the way I roll. So
1: <laughs> I was telling Brian yesterday, we took we went to work for my basically monthly trip to the office. Mm-hmm. And on the train home, we were talking about uh, they, you know, they made a Hawkeye TV show. I did not know that. Yeah, there's three episodes in so far. Okay, how is that? I've only seen one. And oh yes, I was telling Brian when he asked how is it, I had said, imagine if they made a Hawkeye TV show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's it's that it's exactly (laughs) what you expect. A a dude on a farm that shoots a bow. Sometimes, I mean, it's not
1: so much what it's about. It's just like what kind of quality is it? It's it's Hawkeye. It's going to be. It's going to be him. It's whole. You know, small, wholesome. You know, fun. I don't know. Like a little bit of campy. Yeah. Yeah, it should be good though. Oh, and the Wheel of Time TV
0: series, which is doing surprisingly good, as far as I'm concerned. So, I have heard just lots of people saying how bad it is, except for Matt, who enjoyed it quite a bit. So, I'm curious what sort of criticisms you've heard. Uh, I basically that there's a whole bunch of exposition and it's boring. Ah, oh, well, they're a bunch of crybabies. I mean, and also it, that they really fucked up one of the major characters um, with when he has a berserk moment or something and there's the a fridging that happens. uh, That was the exact words I read. And it just makes the whole thing stupid. And why does anyone trust him with a weapon? Something like that. I don't know. There was, there was a bunch of things, but people were really upset that that character had that changed about him. So I know
1: what scene you're talking about, and it was a radical departure from that character's backstory, but it, it builds that character's motivation in a way that you get through, I'm going to say a 50 pages of in-text exposition about the guy over the course of, like, a thousand pages of book. So rather than have you sit there and, you know, just learn about him in a really slow, boring way, it's like, oh, here's a great way to kind of illustrate why he is the kind of person he is.
0: Sometimes learning about people in a slow, boring way is interesting and, and rewarding. I mean, it works for the books. I don't think it would have transferred well to, uh, like,
1: screen. Okay. Just, I mean, the the whole thing is that he he's a very careful, deliberate guy because he's big and strong. And yeah. how do you demonstrate that? How do you demonstrate somebody moving, you know, carefully because they're big and strong? Like you can have them very gingerly move some, you know, glassware or something, but no, having a very dramatic moment. Yeah. It was tight. Okay. And if someone's going to bitch about fridging, whatever, I don't care about that. Like that, this wasn't a person that died to motivate the main character. I think people just use fridging literally anytime a woman dies. That does seem to be the case nowadays, which yeah. is unfortunate. So, I mean, having, having been familiarized with the trope more inti- more intimately and, Having watched the episode twice, actually, because I watched it by myself. And then I watched it with my wife, who her only feedback was that... And someone said it was boring. Like, the fights, the battle scene in the first episode is, like, 30 of the 60 minutes. Yeah. Um Her, her only down, her only beef was, like, I couldn't understand the thing that they were saying. Because I was like, oh, yeah, uh, this is a subtitle show. If you don't know all the words, like, you know, there's a lot of made-up words because it's fantasy, right? mm mm-hmm. And so... Like, they're all speaking with thick
0: accents. Like, oh, yeah, we need to watch the subtitles. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I can put together what they're saying because I remember it. But I mean, uh... fight scenes can be extremely boring. When I watched The Witcher, it started out with a fight scene, which was the most boring thing I'd ever seen. Because, like, first of all, I know he's not going to die. He's The Witcher, and this is the very first scene in the very first episode. And they, I just see G Monster, and he's like struggling with it. And then he reaches for a sword, which is just out of reach. And I'm like, Uh uh-huh he's i'm sure he's gonna get that sword there's no tension here at all like i don't know what this monster is i don't care about it i don't know what his stakes are what happens if he loses it just it didn't matter at all and it was super boring i might be biased but
1: i think matt's gonna be the best harsh critic for the show and if he's liking it then i'm trust my own judgment um as far as i'm concerned like the the fighting at least in the first episode was uh you know there's a lot of characters that are introduced in the first half hour and you don't know who all is going to make it, or why they all should, or whatever. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a the real risk at any time that any of them could be killed. So it's good times. Cool. I yeah. may watch it if I have the time. I would be curious, but I don't know if I want to like push it onto your list. You gotta. I'll find some other stuff for you to watch
0: first. Did you watch oh, Ted Lasso yet? No, but I'm I'm actually getting kind of hyped about that. I'm hoping to see that sometime soonish. I'm excited for you. Yeah. I hope it. I hope I haven't built it up too much it it just sounds really good and wholesome and awesome like i've heard a few other people saying it's cool now so yeah looking forward. awesome
1: yay well uh speaking of good and wholesome and awesome we mm-hmm. have a podcast here called not everything is a clue where we discuss the i think no other better words describe it but wholesome and awesome worth the candle by <laughs> I, alexander wales do you think it's that wholesome uh for the sake of of a good intro absolutely <laughs> okay there's definitely uh, wholesome will, moments, will,
0: There's some wholesomeness in this episode, too. There's definitely wholesome moments. I'll give you that. Yeah. I wouldn't say uh, wholesome all. But we'll see. Maybe it ends very wholesomely. Maybe. Uh, we, we are supported by listeners like you, uh, as they say in PBS. So uh, feel free to click on our Patreon where there's links to that and support us. You can also support Alexander Wales at his Patreon because he's the guy who wrote this and has given us all this awesome, you know fun talking about and reading uh, time so uh do that for either or both of us and we will all be very happy about that uh but let's go into the episode itself yes uh yes
1: let's jump into from the audience feedback first shall we
0: excellent yeah yeah Oh, I like this one from LHC uh, on our Discord that I pulled out. He uh, LHC says, It occurs to me that I'd taken for granted that, had Fen's companion quest been completed, her passive would have been something like, Companion Passive Unlocked. Not gonna die! <laughs> Fen is now free from the narrative curse on the love interests of Arab's protagonists. Although narrative contrivance may conspire to pre- prevent you from overusing her as an asset in your adventures, she no longer has a sword of Damocles hanging over her head. She will not be disabled, disfigured, or removed from your party in the medium or long term. Which, holy shit, that would have been awesome and perfect and amazing. And I now, like, really, really wish that they had gone and gotten her companion quest done. Because I think this is a much better one than we came up with.
1: Well, I I gotta say, so, I I like where her head's at, LHC. But when when I read the first half of the perk, I'm like, well, this is the, what so they're not going to die just because they banged June or Van's not going to die because she banged June or whatever. But <laughs> then the second half is no, she's not going to die period or, you know, like, okay, well that sounds like an actual cool perk. Um, you know, she will no longer, uh, she'll not be disabled, disfigured or removed from your party in the medium or long term. Like that, that doesn't mean uh-huh. necessarily that she's invincible. right? But, like if all, if, if crack got to become, you know, a ward magician, unlike, anything the world has ever seen and all i got was like yeah god's not going to kill you for banging the protagonist i'd be kind of put out <laughs>
2: okay.
0: but if it's
1: like hey god's going to make it so that you really basically can't die as long um, as the
0: protagonist is banging you
1: yeah he has to physically be inside you but at that you
0: know, <laughs> <laughs> you, know you can still cheese a lot of things that way
1: <laughs> yeah i'm i'm thinking uh creatively right now um yes Quick, we're falling, you know, down the bottomless pit. Fen, get over here. We'll oh, yeah. survive the impact, <laughs> or at least you will. Um,
0: yeah. That you know, he he's willing to sacrifice himself to save Fen.
1: I was wondering how he had get it, how he had managed to maintain an erection while falling like that. But
0: he's got blood magic, so that's right. Okay, can,
1: yeah, mystery solved.
0: Totally op. <laughs> <laughs> Spinagon Spinnagon points out, uh, when I was talking about uh, Band's sophomore albums always being worse, uh, I think Band's first breakout album being their best is Selection Effect. If it was bad, they wouldn't have become popular in the first place. And the next album is Regression to the Mean. And uh, yeah, I, I have heard that. And honestly, I even think that's probably the case. Uh, but I much prefer my... Um, my narrative of, you know, they, they suddenly aren't tormented and therefore all the art goes to crap because that is a more romantic notion. <laughs> so that is what I'm clinging to anyway. Regression to the mean is just so boring and statistical. It's a compelling
1: point, though. It uh, is. The, I think the only thing that makes it, and I guess I don't know how music worked 40 years, I think probably the same, but, you know, now it's just like if the right person watches your YouTube video, you become Justin Bieber, you know?
0: Well, I mean, you also have to be good.
1: You have to not be literally the worst, but <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, my impression is that people don't like Justin. A lot of people don't like Justin Bieber's music. Somebody sees the fact that some people will pay for it, but.
0: Well, yeah, a lot of people paid for his music and went to his shows. And I mean, he wasn't popular because one guy on the internet was like, Hey, I'm a music producer and you guys should give me money to see Justin Bieber. Like you had to actually put out a product people wanted to pay for. I suppose you're right. Hmm. I don't know, it just
1: seems like there's a bizarre amount of luck with uh being discovered.
0: Yeah. Right? Oh, ridiculous and, amounts of luck. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Why well, why authors should never ever try to try to re um remake themselves under a pseudonym because at, at some point a publisher is always going to leak your name because it's there's too much luck involved. No matter how well you write, I don't think you're gonna be discovered twice like that.
1: I wonder didn't like Stephen King go I don't know. I think he wrote some books under not Stephen King.
0: Yes, but, Richard Bachman.
1: But I'm assuming the fact that we know who it is means that it got out and that's when those books
0: got popular, right? Uh it I mean it did get out, obviously. Oh uh, you know, I think he did okay as Richard Bachman, but uh I would have to look up just how popular he may have been before the leak before well, there's I no want time. to for comment on that. No, there is no time for that. Okay. <laughs> i mean if you but want yeah, to you're Bach- welcome to bachman was the name that he wrote the running man under which is absolutely nothing like the movie oh that's i forgot
1: that was based on a stephen king short story
0: no it was based on the title of a stephen king short story <laughs> it's, well, I, it's I, literally I the that. only thing it has in common i i knew that it had
1: well wait is it just the fact that they happen to share a name or does it it does it not at all to the fact that it was based on this that, it, that it, the name came from this story
0: I mean, I guess it coincidentally it's also, share a
1: name that like some nobody wrote a book with the title or whatever. That's also thing.
0: has, I mean, the premise is that there's a game show and the person in the game show uh, is running for his life and he live if he lives for long enough, he wins a lot of money. Okay. Um, so it
1: is close enough to where you can say it's loosely inspired by. Extremely loosely inspired by. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it has okay. the same name and it's a TV show with murder in it. Got it. All right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, if you re, if you renamed Squid Game, uh, the running man, you could say the same thing about Squid Game. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they're basically the same thing.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. except they don't televise the Squid Games. So, um, all right. A uh, couple of quick random thoughts. Um, one, I was thinking so I just put these down as a, it occurred to me this week. I remembered at some point I didn't go back and look it up the quote where um, I think it was during like the Uther, like the long flashback that we got when he was doing mm. his, you know, suicide jumps into the pit. Yeah. And Vervain sees Tiff or whatever, Kumduna dressed as Tiff. Can you call them suicide jumps if he expects to live through them? I don't know what he was doing. And I just figured, you know, whatever his free falls. Mm. Um, but the uh, Vervain sees Kumduna dressed as Tiff. And he says something along the lines of like, let's see what Uther makes of it when he sees you look like her or something. Mm-hmm. And that, looking back at that through the lens of him being the dmpc makes a lot of sense because he knows who tiff is yeah yeah sneaky like, bastard well, interesting let's see what
0: happens now yeah
1: and again the kind of thing is he could just think that but no he said that to her
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah anyway fun stuff um and it does imply that he was not expecting her to make herself look like tiff that he thought this was an interesting development that he wanted to see what happens yeah totally um it it could be you
1: know who knows how much he has control over you know why he would say something like that uh but he's a mysterious old wizard he probably has to say lots of weird things that's true okay so yeah. then the the other random thought i had was that uh the fact that the universe is going to crash after june's june saw that memory sucking meme mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't the universe doesn't crash when other people see it is strong evidence that other people aren't being stimulated with the same amount of fidelity as june is i.e their mm. npcs hmm i'm sure there's some way to square that but it it just strikes me that if i don't know there were like four four collateral damage people that saw it when she uh hit june with it right
0: well, yeah well i mean all those those people are, are basically in permanent coma for the rest of their lives right yeah but the
1: thing is like when june was doing it
0: wasn't it going to break the game uh it or was it just going to all... break him uh it said meat space failure right it did. I'm not sure what meat space failure necessarily means, but but you're right that it did say that. Maybe? I mean, I think you're right that if nothing else, it's a point of evidence in, in favor of that. Yeah, it's disappointing because I didn't
1: want that to be the case, but it's looking that way.
0: Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe how how in-depth people are simulated is uh, dependent on how much time they spend in the narrative, how close they are to June, that kind of thing. Yeah, but that's kind of horrifying. I mean, well. That means that all people that he never sees may as well not
1: exist. Uh yep. Yeah, which is a bummer because that's not how I think things work here on Earth. But uh, it would just it would suggest that I don't know their their brains running on a recursive loop don't suck up enough RAM to crash the simulation, but only Junes, which means that their You're- their brains are just pretending to suck up enough RAM to make them comatose because they don't have real brains because they're not really there, man.
0: No, no, I I see what you're saying. I think hmm. I mean the game could just be running his brain in a loop like it runs those other people's brains in loop and the error messages we saw were intended for the DM to be like, hey, the guy you're actually really interested in, he's just gonna be in this loop until meat space (laughs) failure, whatever that means. You wanna do anything about this? It's also entirely plausible that
1: those messages were for June and us and don't actually mean anything. Mm. Like they were just there Maybe as a way to, you know, like for the DM to hand wave away, like, yes, I'm helping, but not for you, but because you're going to break my game. Um, yeah. So maybe it was something like that.
2: Yeah, it All could right.
1: be. Yeah. Well, there are other conclusions of things that I'd rather not uh, be forced into believing, but we have to keep going and watch Ropey, uh see his end at Bethel's hand.
0: That's probably so the romantic. most correct way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like real marriage.
1: Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> who eats who in a real marriage though?
0: I, I mean, According I according to TV up.
1: according to TV it's the woman that eats the man, right?
0: Uh maybe. I could be like I think it depends on the show. That's true. Yeah. All right. But yeah, chapter one forty, co-mingling. And is it is that commingling? mingling? I did look it up. I think that's how you spell commingling. Oh, okay.
1: Which is weird. But yeah, if you just do a right click and look up um it is apparently how you spell co-mingling. God, fucking English, man. Yeah, there's more M's than there need to be for that word. There really is. But yeah, this is the episode where they get married. Because that's yeah, that says comma mingling. Whatever, we'll we'll push past it. So, yes. <laughs> uh the marriage of a psychopathic murder house and our favorite rope. But first Yay. June jumps into Janet's void. I mean Bethel's soul. And uh yeah, gets gets to look around her Black Mirror Museum of Horrors. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> I, I like when he pops in, she's just like, You can't come in here. And he says, Oh, I wasn't asking to. I just wanted to see what your soul equivalent was. And she's like, I you can't come in here. And he's like, Excuse me? You 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 know, are keeping track of all my erections and You know, monitoring my bowel movements and stuff. What do you mean? You want privacy? Now you see kind of why I'd like to be left alone once in a while. I don't think he
0: said that in so much as you said that. No, no. She says you can't come in. Yeah, Um, but he's not the one who's saying, um, uh, what's this? You value your privacy. No, no, he should. But he should. Because now she uh, she seems to
1: understand the, the purpose of privacy in that, hey, I don't want you here. Right. Why is that? Why is that a completely one sided thing? the
0: purpose of privacy is so that Bethel can do whatever she wants. <laughs> but so if, if other people are trying to keep things hidden from her, that uh, it gets in the way of her doing whatever she wants. And thus is anti-privacy.
1: Yeah. That's you know, I mean, how can she be a good house if she's not monitoring, you know, the, uh, I'm just trying to think of something gross that doesn't involve like, I don't know, you know, monitoring yeah. the, the exact the, no. physical oh. state of everybody in the house. Right. Yeah. Yeah
0: uh yeah but she um says when when he points out that she's not human uh bethel says i'm not yet sometimes i'd like to be seen as one which uh first of all cause she's coming out as transracial which is kind of <laughs> cool very progressive book but also uh i this was a thing that like stuck out to me this time when i was reading it because you'd picked up on this a lot before uh and i hadn't really on my first read through like i mean i i read the stuff and i thought that was interesting but it didn't it didn't occur to me that she was like doing the pinocchio trying to be a real boy thing um until you pointed that out and i just had to give you some mad props for that well uh i bet if you were forced to read as slowly as i was you would have picked up on it (laughs) (laughs) well maybe i don't know
1: i don't want to give myself too much credit um I think, I mean, it was there. I think that's just the thing is, you know, I've, that's, that's the fun of reading it at this pace is that I'm forced to go slow and, and look at stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, oh yeah. So that quote goes on. I like this. Um, she says, it makes things easier when dealing with mortals. If I don't present as a person in a person's form, how are they to read emotion and meaning?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I just like that. Uh, she wants to be seen as showing emotion and meaning, you know, yeah. if she just wants to be a house, you know that doesn't really seem necessary right but i like the whole pinocchio thing um yeah. you know i i want to be a person but only kind of mm. i know pinocchio is a little more straightforward and less murdery but <laughs> i can't think of another analogy
0: yeah well um i would say data had the same thing in next generation jan no janet never wanted to be a person so never mind oh from uh the good place, good place. yeah no, she's way cooler than a person yeah good point <laughs> So yeah, she's uh she shows off this this crazy museum of of all the things she's done and they're some of them are pretty horrible. One of them uh when she, when she's reminiscing on this uh about the people she tortured she says I just wanted them to feel pain and terror. Uh when she's she's saying oh it was so sad that some of them I broke too quickly before they could be, you know, to- completely I don't know, broken and insane with horror. Um, She says uh, the prayer when they prayed out to her, the prayer was a manifestation of the terror, certainly, but it was an appeal to me, not something animal. And June observes that she likes seeing people be animals and she agrees. And I just have to say that this is like really creepy terror shit. And she is an amazing fucking haunted house. If this is what she likes to do to break people down just to their animal forms, it's it's horrific. Yeah, I mean, she even says it's not because I hated
1: them, though I often did, but because I like the feeling of seeing them lose control of themselves. Mm. And this, I don't know if there are any still, I, I, I don't, I haven't been on Discord much the last few weeks, but. Griffin, I, Griffin's a big Bethel fan. I will ask him then, I'm curious. I mean, I'm a fan of her in the same way I'm a fan of Voldemort. <laughs> like, and I and I mean that, Voldemort was compelling in methods of rationality. Mm. Um It Rationality. It was fun watching him be a complete psychopath. Uh, it would be weird to look at Voldemort and be like, "No, he's actually really good under there. Don't worry." Um, when he's like explicitly not right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she likes torturing them, not even because she hated them. She just likes the feeling of watching them lose control of themselves when she, when they're being tortured. Like that is the Pretty same sort up. of apathy that Voldemort would use to, when he was, you know, just I don't know, staring bored, looking with you know a thousand yard stare out the window with his you know with his other hand just flaying somebody alive, right?
0: Uh no, because this this sounds like she likes it. Although I think even Voldemort said that he was apathetic about it. I think Voldemort also did enjoy the tortures sometimes. That's true. It was his one great pleasure in life. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. And I and I. What was his phrase? Like I think he shouldn't. Whatever. Don't knock sh- it
0: till you try it. Basically. basically yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. No. She's she's bad. Um. He, the one of the things they're doing is she he looks into this room where all her different uh entabs that she swallowed are arranged uh all the parts that make her up and June asks is this how you see yourself as parts and Beltha says it's how you see yourself isn't it you're often saying things like there's a part of me that wants this or a part of me that thinks that and uh i just thought that was a really cool observation on her point on her part cuz uh yeah we we say that kind of thing all the time but i guess maybe we should think about like how literally we mean that because in Bethel, it's like very literalized in these different entads, And I, I mean, I know there's some people that say it's pretty literal in the humans case too. And it just is a illusion that we have a single unitary consciousness. So uh, I thought that was really neat of her. Yeah. It's interesting. I think Jace talked about um,
1: like the family model of the mind or something. Mm-hmm. If there's a more succinct way of putting it, but I like that. And it, and- there is definitely a way of viewing your own conscious, like, experience as warring factions within your head, right? Mm-hmm. You know, part of me really wants to stone up, but the other part of me wants to stick to a diet. Um, yeah. It's – yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, I like how this – I don't know. What's interesting is that it's not clear to me if she sets – this room up like for herself to walk around because she doesn't really need the tour, right? This is her memory palace. But June says at some point that like, Oh yeah, I made up the memory palace. And this isn't quite what you're talking about because mm-hmm. memory palace, apparently it was like an entad or something, but we don't get a background on it. It um, seemed
0: to me that like, this was just here and she can't really change it. I wonder like she, she can
1: like they go through that room where she shows them like the pit or something. Yeah. But maybe the different rooms have different properties. Yeah. Yeah. And the only other thing there is that apparently she didn't divulge all the inteds that she'd eaten, but we don't get any details on which ones that she didn't tell us about.
0: Yeah, just that there were some. Oh, no, I I could have sworn I told you about them, which sounds (laughs) fishy. Mm -hmm. And June's like, no, that's okay. I think people should have secrets. And I'm kind of surprised he didn't get a loyalty bump from saying that. Right. And (laughs) she doesn't say,
1: okay, you know what? You're right. I'll stop, you know, Whatever. In my, I'm sure. Like, if you look down in the details of the graph that she's making, she keeps a like a a bar graph underneath, like his daily erections. <laughs> that if there's if there's you know an accompanying sexual release, he'll she's like counting the strokes, right? Like, you know, maybe mm. maybe she can lay off that shit and give him just a few seconds to himself every day. No, well, hopefully. All right, June from from 11 to 11:15 at night, uh, once a once a day. I won't be watching you.
0: Go have yeah. fun. <laughs> be, be quick about it. Right. Uh, the uh, Speaking of all these entads in this room, uh, they're shrunk down so they would fit on these little platforms that are around the room. Uh, and so he almost does, doesn't notice Kumduna Duna itself, the house that was there. And uh, he says it's just it's a seeming small among all the others. And I thought like that sentence implies that the house part of her is only actually a really small part of what she thinks she is. Like, uh, the way we think our meat suit is only kind of a small part of what we are. And that, that was, I thought, if this is the case, a cool insight into her because everyone else sees her primarily as a house. Like, that's what she is and it's a house that happens to have a personality, but for her, that is not her primary essence. It's what she keeps saying that she wants, though. hmm So,
1: I, I don't know, I mean, because she doesn't have to look like a house either. She can look like a stick. It's, that's a good point yes yeah she she's like no i want to be a good house over and over mm-hmm. and so yeah it's interesting to see because i would have figured that like the room that they're in would have like the walls would have been the entad kumduna but you're right it's on one of the little pedestals there mm-hmm. i'm not sure what to make of that because that does seem to be her essence um but yeah i i like your catch i don't quite know what to make of it though um i feel like being a house is a big deal to her yeah and so maybe these these pedestals are here like again she doesn't get to control them everything is just like the size that it is for the purposes of the of the display
0: uh that could be it too
1: yeah i don't know just commenting on the incongruity of it being so small i do like that and you're right that is kind of cool um i the analogy to our meat suits is really fun i just i don't know what to make of it because she seems to really really identify with wanting to be a house yeah yeah but who knows
0: Yeah, so they they get out of her soul and start talking to Ropey.
1: Yeah, which thank goodness we get to see Ropey. I I'm assuming June touches it. Well, I guess she could fake that too. So I mean, we can't rule out the possibility that she's got you know Ropey pinned and gagged against his will. You know, while she does this whole sham marriage, then eats him. Right, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. every time we interact with him is a fake. But I think it's him. So um, he says, "I have been happy being your rope. You are a better handler than." Many I have had when I am a house and rope. I hope that you will treat me as well. I will do my best to be everything that you need me to be and not let my judgment be clouded by the peculiarities all living beings
0: contain within them. And that's super touching. It is. I'm just, I feel kind of sad that he says when I'm a house and rope, because it doesn't feel like he's a house and rope. It just feels like he's gone. Yeah. He'll never not be a, Uh, rope
1: for as long as he's around even if he doesn't have any rope left you know what I mean?
0: Like That's
1: just who he is at his essence but yeah it definitely like the thing is you know in my model of a marriage it's like an equal thing where if we're going to just you know go with the whole magic theme of it you know the the two entities would be bound and and united in such a way that they're both stronger the better versions of both of them put into one thing right? Mm -hmm. This is much more just like Bethel ate him and can still kind of taste him yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: But speaking of the, the, the marriage, they when they say their vows, they both have like a small little prepared statement that they make to the crowd. And I really liked Bethel's because she points out that like what they're looking at isn't – it's not really ropey. It's not really her. All of it is just a show she's putting on and she's not one of the mortal species. But it's like art. It's supposed to be a metaphor to help you understand the truth of – of the situation and i thought that was like a really good speech and um it, it kind of made me distrust my my earlier um it made me doubt my earlier distrust of their marriage because it did highlight just how alien it is to be an ascension and rather than a, a species and how different they think and feel but still tries to draw parallels for us and and I was like, oh, maybe maybe I shouldn't judge them. And they, they are an alien species. I guess they can do what they want. And then Ropi made his speech. And his speech felt like it was written for him <laughs> rather than by him. And I was like, hmm. I, now I have my doubts again. Because that did not sound like Ropi to me.
1: It sounded kind of like what I might expect him to say. Um, so there, there's a couple fun things about the wedding. One, uh, she's nine feet tall. In the mm. you know her projection, she's just she wanted to go all out. Um, I think this amphitheater. I'm just picturing like the world's biggest cathedral. Yeah. Um, and then this guy starts walking down the aisle, and it's ropey projection, which is a lot of fun. Um, mm. And you're right, his speech wasn't as grandiose or articulate, maybe. But I just got the impression that that was just ropey. He doesn't talk a lot, you know. Um, I think part of the thing he's is not that as practiced.
0: like practiced. Yeah, he doesn't talk a lot, but when he said these things. It- The speech he gave sounded like someone who has a lot of experience talking uh, and interacting with people. And um, that's why I didn't believe it. If it was just something like, yep, I'm a rope. This is really great. Uh, Thanks, guys. This was wonderful. I want to go do this now. I would have believed that far more than like this kind of speech he gave as like someone, you know, who is part of a social species that talks a lot and is always displaying their emotions and trying to make connections with other people.
2: Yeah,
1: I can see what you're
0: saying. Um I I assumed
1: that he would like he had prepared this. You know, he wasn't doing this on the fly and Bethel was projecting it like this was his planned speech. Yeah. Um and so he had the he had time to think it out. But yeah, I don't know. Uh I like the idea that again, you've put me back in the paranoid seat. You know, this isn't Roby. He's he's screaming for help, but he can't he has no mouth, so um, <laughs> Great reference. She's gonna eat him, yeah. Uh there was um I can't remember what else it was about the wedding. So I'll push past that. And it was just about the, oh, there was like the the illusion of it. And June's sitting there analyzing it. And then he's like, oh, you know what? I tried my best not to think of, it, focus on that. When presented with an act of art like this, it seemed best best to suspend disbelief and, and try to understand what was meant to be conveyed. And what was fun is that I was actually speculating on like the kind of things he was speculating on. Right when Alexander Wales himself jumps in and tells me to knock it off and just enjoy the spectacle.
0: Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of fun
1: it was yeah. almost like and, a meta
0: comment and it came just at the right time
1: yeah um yeah. other i remember what i was going to say bethel says something about like the, com- the commitment we're undertaking today and i was like mm-hmm. sure that sounds like a marriage but like not not the, not not what you guys are doing yes yeah that's I, that's not the same thing there's no commitment i mean yeah he's he's committing to being killed and you're committing to killing him like great yeah <laughs>
0: I, I think it was what is it? Uh, a chicken and a pig both provide breakfast for the farmer, but the pig is committing a whole lot more to it than the chicken. <laughs> I like that. I hadn't heard it before.
2: <laughs>
1: um, there, there is one thing that I guess it's after, and I didn't put it in my notes, so just before, before I forget. Like she's gonna, she's gonna show June something or whatever. She's bugging him with you know the thing that she does where she's like, "Hey, want you to play a sex tape or something?" And he says no, and she kind of like acquiesces,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I am like. And she says, you know, you can blame my better half for being nice about it, but, like, I kind of think that she might be a little nicer going forward. I guess we'll have to see. I just wanted to to flag that to keep our eyes open for it. That said, she's apparently still stoked on the idea of someone to break into the house later, and she'll get tripped into pieces. So,
0: I I think that Ropey was too good for her. Like, I agree. Yeah. And that happens sometimes people get in those relationships, just good giving people, and they get in relationships with someone that sucks and it's uh it's not good for the person who's who's being the stabilizing influence
1: yeah, and it's it's a kind of a perfect analogy where he's just being completely subsumed by this you know bigger, yeah. scarier monster,
0: yep, yeah, and it makes her slightly better, but now he's gone, so hmm. anyways, kind of depressing. Um, in less depressing stuff, they start dancing, uh, afterwards at the reception and, uh, June is talking with Amaryllis and they are comparing first crush stories. Tell me about your first crush. No, you yeah. go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, uh, and- they're 14. This is so cute. <laughs> right. And he reveals that his first non-fictitious crush, like on an actual person was a girl in second or third grade. Which just reminded me, like, holy shit, some people start start to get sexual maturity much faster than others. Like, I I had not even the slightest idea that girls were a thing um, until, I think, seventh grade. I mean, like, I knew they existed and they were other people and it was great to be around them. But, like, I, I did not have any sort of crushes or infatuations or anything until, until seventh grade. So I guess I was a, I don't know if I was a late bloomer or, or what? Cause second or third grade still seems really early to me.
1: I mean, th- there's like that whole thing of children, you know, like guys, you know, pulling on girls, pigtails and girls kicking guys in the shins when they think they're cute, you know, like, cause they don't know how to communicate their feelings. Yeah. And this is like a 10 year
0: old, you know, kind of activity. Um, I, I never thought someone was cute in that sort of way until, you know, seventh grade or so. I think that
1: I mean because I I've, I oh, I'm mentioning the the, the childish examples because that's pre-puberty. So like they're not thinking like oh my god they're hot I want to bang them right. They're just okay. They're I so I can't I can't quite put myself in the head of what they are thinking. But I think it's just the self-report of people that like oh yeah I thought he was so cute when you know we were like ten right. Um I will have to
0: we'll I put mean, that I, to the audience
1: I'll- and see what people think because I don't remember my childhood and apparently yours didn't line up with June's but. Um, yeah. I don't think I, that, I, I, I don't believe think that, people who
0: said that. It just seemed very early to me, but like I said, I'm I'm I think I'm late to the show. Well, I think that you you had like you know actual infatuations. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure what pubescent feelings like that actually are, um, you know, because they're not they're not sexual desire of any flavor, right? Um, I don't know. I'm confused by this whole thing. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Anyway, good on June, uh, but his real first crush was Hermione Granger, of course. Yes. In the movies, not the books, he specifically says. Yeah. Either way, though, I can I can dig it. Yeah. Um,
0: oh, yeah. God, Amaryllis is. Oh, her crush was uh, someone named Lena Cordrew, whose name is an anagram for June's first crush, Karen Dowler. And she's like, God damn it. My entire life is just one big cosmic joke, uh, which is, first of all, kind of depressing. But also, she takes being a cosmic joke pretty well.
1: Yeah. Um. Her, she says, yeah, you were a real person. Um, Or because he says, you know, ah, do you think it was just the DM fucking with us? And she says, with me, yes, you were a real person. I was made for you. My entire life is just one big cosmic joke. Yeah. And, you know, I think he bounces back pretty well from it. She does too. You know, he's like, yeah, I wish that wasn't the case, but let's push past it. Tell me about this this girl that may or may not have existed uh, in your past that you may or may not have had. And, uh,
0: you know, she, she tells him about her, but... Um, Amaryllis, first, I, I, I admire her more as this goes along. Like, she's really resilient and she's just like, yeah, that that sucks. Life sucks sometimes, I guess. What can you do? You keep living. So that's a very Amaryllis way to view things. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, that's what she did during the Doom timeline too, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, it's also... So- indicative of the fact that she's not really experiencing distress over this because she's not you know there aren't really lights on inside oh it's 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 scary but it seems like things are leaning that way I don't know maybe I'm I think I'm uh, motivated to think that because I don't want Uther to be the asshole Uh, yeah and that's what he seems to think but uh, I also want these people to you know have inner lives and all that stuff so we'll see how it shakes out but I thought it was fun because apparently she did have crushes and stuff before you know she did like Whatever she did to make herself like June that didn't involve direct soul fuckery um, was more just like, okay, you know, let's try and be attracted to this guy in particular,
0: right? Even though there's nothing there. Um, Yeah.
1: But apparently she actually had, you know,
0: feelings and stuff before that. So good for her. So she, I I am confused by the whole situation, but I think that is, that is just me. So we can skip right past that confusion. Unless you want to dive into it, because I'm curious. Well, because she had like earlier said that I think I'm asexual, right?
1: Yeah, I apparently I was I skimmed the Discord for ten minutes this week and got immediately confused. Someone made up a word, and I know they made it up because uh, Google told me it wasn't real. And mm-hmm. someone else thought that it meant dinosaurs. Well, they didn't think that, but that's what the <laughs> that's what the um, joke was. The prefix meant, yeah. So apparently, there's a whole thing. You know what I like about my boring mind and psychology is that like I don't have to spend any time researching any of this stuff. Cause like it's close enough to just making sense for me that I can just roll with it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have things that like don't line up with the way other people do stuff and maybe mine doesn't line up either, but it's, it's close enough to that rhythm to where I can just be fine with it. Um, mm. But yeah, apparently she could be asexual, but not aromantic, which apparently is a different thing. Uh, I don't know what the difference is. It was not explained to me. And I, I'm sure it could have been if I had asked somebody to explain
0: for 10 whole minutes and, but I only had
1: 30 seconds because that's all I was wanting to dedicate to it. So
0: Maybe I have just been misinformed as to what the word crush means because I'd always been told that crush is specifically feelings of a sexual nature.
1: Oh, no, I think um, that's, that's a good uh, crux. And I think I'm glad that you called that out because no, I think, um, you know, if, if, this is even a thing I think like among straight people like, oh, you know, that's if it's a guy. Oh, that's my man crush, right? Right. Um, So, but it's not like a, oh, I want to fuck him. It's just like, I don't know, something about that guy, you know? Uh, He's really, really cool. Yeah. I I don't quite know exactly what that is about, but I think it's something like that. So I think crushes can be distinct from like just wanting to,
0: to have sex, but. I've definitely had those feelings before, I guess. I guess, I don't know, someone lied to me about what crush means then. (laughs) And I I, have not, I didn't learn that I was told wrongly until just now.
1: For what it's worth, I, it's entirely plausible that no one knows what they're talking about with any of this stuff. (laughs) We're still working this out. Yeah. You know, I would like to think that, like, how do people like each other would have been, like, a solved problem since before humans could talk. But... (laughs) As it is, we still don't even know what the fuck makes up a healthy diet. So, like, we've been eating for longer than we've been, you know, experiencing sexual attraction,
0: and we still don't know what's good for us. Well, we, we've only been trying to figure out what's good for us in the food realms for a little while.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you think it would just be the kind of thing that we should just know. And I get <laughs> that, that it's not, but it—I don't know. If I was going to put some basic knowledge into the animals I was making, that'd be like, here's what you can eat. <laughs> well, I, that's part of the problem. Nobody made us. That's true. Um— All right, so I I grabbed this quote because it was funny. Oh, June was talking about how you did a bunch of dancing. Um, Mm. I'd done more than my fair share of dancing, partly because I enjoyed using the skill, and partly because our gender ratios were skewed enough that I was in demand. And I just put, this guy harems. Oh, shit. Yeah, with a little pointing guy. I don't know what you call this emoticon, or how you even make the, like, what you type in. Yeah, the finger guns guy. Anyway, he looks stoked.
0: I, you know, I think that's a very gracious form of hareming when he's like, oh yeah, I'm in demand. I'm going to go out there. And I'm going to dance because that's what people want of me. Yeah. Like, good for him.
1: No, this is just, a, this is just the This is the, the soft run before he, you know, goes full harem. Um, <laughs> all right. I get, I, I pulled out a few of these. I'm not going to read all of them, but in general, I get awesome vibes from Jorge. He seems like the coolest dude ever. Cool. Um, and I like him so much that I'm worried that he's like the DMPC, right? Oh uh, no. Why? just because of why wouldn't it, you know, why wouldn't it work this way? Like, you know, Oh, here's a guy that is ancillary to the group. Maybe he'll be involved more. Um, but I, I don't think he actually is, What it is. It's like, now. Nah, I'm just paranoid about everything.
0: Mm. And
1: in a way, like every NPC isn't necessarily like the dungeon master playing that character. Cause they're not a player character, mm-hmm. but
0: the dungeon master is every NPC, right? Yes. But they're not a DMPC unless they're actually like, in the party right
1: unless they're actually playing but you know they're so whether this guy is the sentient mind piece you know mouthpiece of the dm or not the dm is still dictating this guy's personality and what he says Uh, unless everyone's real which it's not seeming like they might be Um,
0: really you're keep you're you're going on the everyone is fake train now
1: i think i'm persuading myself with that uh, that meme blast, if it's not crashing the universe and other people look at it, I don't know. And just the fact that the DM is there, he is able to rewrite history and do insane shit. Like that's true. I mean, that could just be the case lined up with the fact that, oh yeah, everyone's also real and they all have, you know, their own histories and stuff,
0: but I can literally do whatever I want, including rewrite their lives. Well, I mean with the virus thing, it could just be like when the virus infects a, a non June person, it just shuts their brain down. So it doesn't crash the game. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm just thinking like, um, because like, basically what you're, where you're leaning with this is that nobody in the game at all is real except for June. In which case, like, it feels really rather empty to me. Like, what was the point of Tiff? What's the point of not Tiff? Sorry. What was the point of Fen? What's the point of caring about Grack and his, his trials with his uh, clan? If, if none of them are actually real. I mean, there, there might not be a point, you know? I mean, like the thing
1: is I care about Fen. I care about Grack and his struggles, and I don't think he's real
0: in relation to me, right? Um,
1: yeah, but so, you think
0: he's at least real in relation to the world we're reading about?
1: Uh, Yeah, but I guess I'm thinking like if I was June, it's not impossible that I could still get a moral out of this trip to Erb and have everyone there not have actually existed. Um, I don't want that to be the case. I feel like it would be diminished. You know, any relationships I forged with these people would be uh, lessened. But mm-hmm. I can still see it being the case.
0: I could see it being the case, yes. But I would be really disappointed.
1: Yeah, I'd be let down too. Don't get me wrong; I'm not hoping that this is the case. It just seems like it might be.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I just, I you
1: know, Jorge's awesomeness. He's he's. Oh, I love weddings. You know, um, he says something about like when I was your age, when I was seventeen, and June's like, I'm eighteen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, that, oh, that's why I thought maybe he was the DM because he pushed June's buttons so fast. Um, mm. but I think anything he could have said to push June's buttons. Cause he's betting, you know, that hawk girl he wants to sleep with. So, um, yeah. yeah, but there's a, you know, he, he likes being a tourist. He likes walking around, you know, with the kind of, you know, um, awe and wonder of like, Oh, look, you know, if we walk around like we're tourists and we've never been here before, everything's just so cool. Everything's awesome, man. And mm. just give me a very Ferris Bueller vibe. And, um, mm. I, I, if he's not the DM or something, I hope he's also like, doesn't turn out to be a cannibal soul rapist or something. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But, Secretly Voldemort this whole time. Yeah. Um, the last thing I had here was that, uh, I forget the context of something he wanted to reply to, um, what's his butt about, uh, Jorge. And he says, uh, there were things I wanted to say, but I held my tongue. Valencia didn't need someone giving her boyfriend a stern warning, nor did she need me interjecting my own opinions into her relationship.
2: Mm. and
1: i didn't read any sarcasm into that right No, um, yeah me neither i think he's serious or sincere yeah it seems like he really forgave her because i mean you know what did valencia do well she you know interjected her own opinions into into his relationship
0: right oh okay yeah i see yeah uh, I, I hadn't realized that's where this was going yeah you're right but the, but it doesn't seem like it was going there yeah no i i yeah. didn't I didn't notice that. That's where what you had been thinking of, I guess. I yeah, see. no, it it didn't go there. And yeah, right. Yeah. So he seems nicer than I was because
1: I, I thought he was gonna, you know, mm-hmm. give some. You know, he he could have nodded, be like, I don't know, said something. If only, if only she was as nice as I was with other people's relationships. But he doesn't even think
0: that. No, that's yeah, kind of a kind of an immature thing to think. I think, or maybe not an immature kind of retributive. Yeah, I was going to say you be, you
1: tread lightly because those were the thoughts I had. So <laughs> sorry,
0: am <laughs> no, kidding. Just, just vengeful thinking.
1: <laughs> yes, vengeful. No, I just wasn't as quick to fully forgive. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, well, I think you know. I understand what was what happened with her and all that stuff. I think it was more just like um, I didn't know where June was at with it
0: because they haven't really talked much, right? So, but it seems like they're good. It it does seem that way, yeah, yeah. High five. At, at least, it's, yeah, it's they're getting over it. All right, there are other yeah. things that are getting good. The loot piles. Okay, yeah, I, I'll, I'll I, accept it.
1: I mean, I, I I did it without saying. Speaking of, so no, uh, that's true. But yeah, the chapter one forty one, Monty Hall. Heck yeah! It's like a like a big hall, H a u l, yes. like a U haul. If you're from the U S. If you're, if you're not a U haul is like you get to. If you're just a regular person who's never driven a commercial vehicle, for 20 bucks, you can rent one for a whole day and drive it around with no training or instruction on how to drive a giant vehicle because you're moving. It's great.
0: It's freedom, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, uh, I first heard the term Monty Hall in an RPG context, specifically about getting lots of loot uh i i just thought this was how it was actually spelled when i later heard about the monty hall game show and that this came from that and it was spelled differently i was like oh interesting okay that's that's cool so that was uh just a little story of my past i guess which was kind of boring for everyone so i'm sorry i said it let's move forward
1: no i'm actually really glad to hear that this uh oh yeah so i right click on our spreadsheet and i say like whatever explore this word first thing i get is monty hall the canadian television guy um Second thing is TV tropes, Monty Hall. And then mm. there's a Dungeons & Dragons fan, uh, fandom wiki page. Mm. And so, yeah, the same thing. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm gratified to see that it's a it's – a, it's a, it's a, that wasn't a useless digression. That was appropriate. Okay. Well, the second right. thing links to a D&D page, man. How much more appropriate could it be? All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. Um, oh, this one opens up. I had a question for you. Yeah. So it says, the day after the wedding, Figaro Finch, in parentheses, no relation – came to the house and like no relation to who i'm doris finch she's the only other finch we know of but it seems we actually met figaro before and they didn't mention doris finch i don't know um you know Uh, this could be the kind of thing where alexander was asked in comments or something and so he just threw this in there
0: it could also be that when uh figaro finch was mentioned before they like they had just met him all they knew was his name and now this is a bit later in the story where they've Talked more with him, they know more about his background, and like they actually know that he's not related to Doris Finch, which is why now he's putting it in. This isn't could be he... a reflection of June's knowledge being, you know, more now than it was then. That's true, but isn't he also a goblin? No. Uh, uh, oh wait, yeah, yeah, that's right. He was kind of he was like a goblin. No, not a goblin, a gnome.
1: Gnome, right? Yeah, yeah. But I never got the impression Doris
0: Finch was a million or ten million gnomes, but maybe she is. <laughs> <laughs> I, huh? Oh, I guess all we know about her is that she is of the female persuasion.
1: And there's in the neighborhood of 10 million
2: of her.
0: Yeah. 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 All right.
1: yeah. I guess we'll have to see how tall she is when we find her.
0: Yes, yeah, indeed.
1: All right. Um. Anyway, hype train. So the, what's really cool about this, so the chapter, and I think they talk about it in a cutaway, don't they? Oh, they do. So we'll, we'll go into it more then. But the, the Monty Hall, spelled this way, in my understanding, is where the game master kind of just, all right, here, you know what? here's a bunch of shit. You know, yeah. We're going we're gonna to level you up real fast. Um, you
0: get all the loots, and you're like, oh my god, this is amazing.
1: And so it's not just loots here. He's also going to the school to learn uh, what, still magic and vibration magic? Yes. And I can't remember what vibration magic does.
0: Uh, oh, and uh, velocity magic is
1: different than still magic, isn't it?
0: Uh, yes, velocity magic gives you the speedy, runny, fast powers. That's right.
1: That's the flash. Yeah, And still magic is... What, you can
0: neo-bullets, right? Yes. Okay. Or neo-anything that touches your skin. And vibrational magic, you said what? I think it was some kind of sound thing. Huh.
1: So there's like Banshee from the Harley Quinn movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem all that useful, but then again, you know, neither does like blood magic
0: on its surface, right? Also, like, they're probably there for the still magic, and since sound magic is also there, they might as well pick that up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to miss the chance to grab it.
1: Plus, who knows what you do with the perks? And, just like with blood magic, sure, it sounds boring, but when you get into, like, oh, no, you can actually do these, like, small, intricate, badass things, then it becomes super useful.
0: So... Yeah. Maybe you vibrational magic is similar. You can make whispers always be in somebody's ear until it slowly drives them insane. That sounds valuable.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what I would use it for. I like the uh, the quest, Sound of Silence. Oh, because of the song.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um... Iniquities has pulled some levers to get you uh, to the front of the line for access to two major basic magics. Go to the Athenaeum of Sound and Silence and speak with the Bursar. It seems simple enough, which made me leery. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that seems like the kind of thing that's going to bite him in the ass. You know, if the quest is go here, talk to this guy. Well, that's the first step, but um, it sounds like it's going to kick him
0: in the butt, doesn't it? It does. Last time we had a simple quest, it kicked them in the butt real hard.
1: And we haven't seen him do anything with spirit to make me think that he's not going to become Voldemort next time he levels up.
0: I I, I think, I mean, the fact that he said, once I know spirit magic, I won't become Voldemort when I level up. I'm just taking it as a given now that he won't become Voldemort, that he did whatever he needed to do with the spirit magic. Well, I wanted to tell me what he did. I assume he like did the kind of strangling down like he did for the meme, except on his make my level up desire increase trunk. But the thing is, he
1: he he did that to the meme when it was like exploding his brain. Yeah. Like, does he have to wait till he goes into spirit trance next time his level up is out of control?
0: I don't uh, think so, because the perk let him let him do the stack trace back, right?
1: Yeah. So I, he
0: could find where it is and then strangle it down. Yeah, totally. I guess what I would like is just to watch him do that. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I'm not against that, but also that would be like I don't know, probably a hundred words, and I've been reading enough words, man. We've had, a, take it as a given.
1: We, we've had two chapters called stats for nerds. Like, I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think we people reading this mind getting a little nerdy explanations of stuff. Fair enough. But I'll, I'll wait until next time he levels up and see if it bites him in the ass. Maybe he'll explain then what he did.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe he would be like, I leveled up. And fortunately, I didn't go crazy because I did these things earlier. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Like he goes Voldemort for like two seconds until he winds back down. And, you know, Voldemort doesn't get a say in the matter. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see how it shakes out. So,
0: yeah. Uh, while they are getting this quest, um, the the guy, Fig- Finch, Figaro Finch, uh, he wants some information in return for getting them into the Athenaeums. He's like, hey, uh, I want to know what's going on, man. And Amaryllis says, uh, I don't know if I like this negotiation. If we give you a part of the picture, you could always argue it's not enough. And that hadn't occurred to me. And I love that there's people like Amaryllis that are smart to this sort of stuff. Because I would be absolutely worthless and hopeless in these sorts of negotiations. I would have to pay someone like a lawyer or uh, or an amoralist to, to help me out you know same here and I liked that that line a lot as well but I'm kind of glad i'm
1: I'm the kind of person who you know I mean yes it makes me a sap right because if I were um, negotiating here with Finch, he would say, hey, why don't you tell me a little bit and then I'll whatever be more amenable to whatever it is you're asking. So I'll tell him a little bit and he be like, no, I want more. And I'd be like, well, well, come on. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I would have fallen right into it. Uh, yeah but I'm also like more trusting and less Slytherin-Y, which I feel like makes me a little happier <laughs> on the average. So uh, I am I guess I, I am good is stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah. I am too, but like one of the ways I got around that was having partners who were very aggressive and like could do that but f- but f- for me. So it was kind of like a best of both worlds. But you know, I I don't have one of those partners currently, but yeah, maybe, maybe I can slip in another one at some point. <laughs> just, you gotta, you gotta have enough partners to have the full spread of skills, right? You need at least a tank, a healer, and a DPS. That's what I was just gonna say, you've gotta build out your party. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, the Finch is also very distrustful of them, because one of his top agents is, uh, is Jorge. And he says, you've captured Jorge in the world's most obvious (laughs) honeypot. And I thought that was hilarious because from his point of view, oh my God, that's totally true. And Jesus, Jorge, what a fucking doofus you are to not see this. (laughs) She's like a 16-year-old super hot chick acting all cute and innocent and like she doesn't know anything and needs an older man to help her in the world. Obviously, you've been suckered in. You are now a compromised asset. And Jorge's like, oh no, I'm just in love.
1: Well, in his defense, I think that he's right, and just to Finch, it looks like it's a you know um a conniving yeah. deal, right but I
0: agree with you yeah.
1: but, <laughs> but it's it's perfect, yeah, if you're being honey potted from the inside, it always doesn't feel like you're being honey
0: potted exactly
1: yeah, um it's funny i I guess I would wonder if I was Finch, like to what end would we um openly compromise Jorge for our goals mm-hmm. You know, it might make sense for us to like secretly blackmail him or something. But why would we have it? Why would we go through all this rigmarole just to like make him fall in love with one of our members? Um, Dude,
0: he's a top member of the Department of Uniquities, which is the extra legal se- sector of uh, of the Empire of Common Cause. Like, that's that's a hell of a institution we just corrupted.
1: I mean, I guess what's she gonna ask? Like, hey, Jorge, next time you are at the office, can you like steal me that
0: file on Felseed? Like, yes. Yes. Maybe she will do that. That's the whole point of having an asset in in an organization like that. You never know, and you might want to use them for your own benefit. The cool thing is, is I'm pretty sure that a Val wouldn't ask, and B Finch or uh,
1: Jorge wouldn't do it unless he wanted to. Which I don't think that he would do it because she asked, right? Like I, if they were going to compromise him, June would just soul rape him, right?
0: I mean, part of the the part of the nice part of being in love with uh, uh, Valencia. Is that he might think it's actually a great idea if she suggests that to him? Like that's that's what's so great about having a compromised asset. They want to do the thing. But I think that you wouldn't have to be
1: compromised if, like, you know, the girl that you know that can kill demons is like, hey, we've got a, um, uh, you know, we're gonna go, we're gonna go, we're gonna go kill Felseed next. Do you have any paperwork that could help? And he mm-hmm. was like, oh yeah, totally. Like you don't have to be banging the the hot chick of the group to want to help, right? You no, know, not necessarily, but But I guess it doesn't helps. hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, all right. Well, they move on um, from that, and then we get, uh, before we left, there's one lingering issue to take care of, Masters. And he shows up with Raven in tow. They have like, this kind of fun dialogue on their way up the hill where um, Bethel is, of course, eavesdropping and playing the tape recording of it to the group. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying, like, look, you know, I'm so worried about you. You need to just take a sideline and relax. You've done so much already. And she's like, I need to, like, actually keep doing stuff. The world's falling falling apart, and I'm not going to sit there and let it just fall to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, it's – I only bring that up because I, I really get where he's coming from. You know, no one wants their loved ones to be in danger. I imagine it's got to be even more intense for a parent. But mm-hmm. it's like he doesn't realize that if the world ends, she's going to die anyway.
0: Right? Well, I mean – that's the thing. It's I, I I agree with you that I find this sort of thing infuriating, but I find it infuriating because it's defecting, in my opinion. It's like, you know what? they. There's a chance that they can save the world without risking her life, and I would rather that she not die so they can save the world without her. And, you know, someone else can go in her place or something, and they don't care. I mean, they do care, I guess— a, they don't care enough about the overall odds of the entire world exploding in so much as they're like, the world could be saved anyway without putting her in danger, so I'm just going to defect on this and not have to put her in danger. And so I, I think that's that's kind of a, a a bullshit reasoning thing, and I dislike it, but a lot of people seem to do it. I I wouldn't even know if I would summarize my feelings about it as
1: infuriating. I just, I think that, I, but I hear where you're coming from, and I I get it to an extent. You know, part of me wonders, like... I think that uh, you know, if we lived on a world with superheroes, you know, and then the aliens are attacking New York, am I really going to grab my pistol and go out and start shooting them? Like, I might, but I would probably hunker down in my house and just shoot the ones who came through the door,
0: and I'll let the Avengers kill all the ones in the city. Like, I mean, that's, this is this is literally the calculus whenever nations go to war. Some people are going to die, and not everyone has to join the army. And so, you want everyone else to join the army so you don't take the risk of dying, but uh, not. But, you know, if everyone does that, there will be no army and the nation gets taken over. So it's it's a defection. It's like, I don't want to have to take the risk myself personally. I want other people to do it. And and it sucks.
1: Right. And I mean, I think the only caveat there is, though, that I think that the My Avengers analogy was actually Avril once because this isn't just like where everybody is basically the same and everyone can grab a gun and shoot it. No, we've got like half a dozen people here who are superhuman badasses. You know, why don't we let them do the, do the world saving business and you can hang out and, you know, play it safe or keep your town safe. You know, something smaller. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's that, far more valuable than any random dude. That's, that's the thing. Exactly. So it's, he doesn't, I think he, he, I think he knows that she's a badass. He just doesn't want to believe it. Cause it means that then she has to go fight with the superheroes. Yeah. And so he's trying to like talk her down from it, but she's not having any of it. So, um, they, they get there and he first thing he says, I think he bows like embarrassingly low. Um, Mm -hmm. but he says, I apologize profusely. And, uh, June's just like, Hey, you brought the, you brought the end And, you know, my thoughts are, see, it's all good. You know, mistakes happen. You didn't actually hurt any of us. And he brought a box of goodies. Um, I I think our assessment of the guy during our encounter with him was right. Like he went a little crazy following the crazy orders from a crazy God man for 500 years. (laughs) But, He's well-intentioned and just wanted answers.
0: Yeah. He he made some mistakes. And if it wasn't for the murder hobos that showed up, they would not have been, like, you know, horrible mistakes. Right. <laughs> they wouldn't have been irrecoverable.
1: No, you know, it It basically worked out. No one died. Um, mm-hmm. In that fight, anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Probably some campus police
0: got killed or something, huh? No. No, there wasn't even any campus. Po- I mean... I think some campus police might have died, but that was after the murderer hobo showed up. That's true, and that, that wasn't really Master's fault. Exactly. Yeah. Alright, fair enough. Um mm. Alright, so we get we
1: get like the dump of of Entads, and I think before that we get the uh um Oh no, we get the um cutaway first. Well, let's do the cutaway and then we'll do the list of entads.
0: Uh sure. The <laughs> The cutaway is basically just June being like, okay, here's all your loot and explaining why it makes sense to have long loot drought and then have them all dump on them at once. And uh, Arthur says, what June is saying is that adventuring is supposed to be its own reward rather than just numbers go up. To which my comment is blasphemy. (laughs) That's essentially Raymer's, too. He says, but I like numbers go up.
2: Who doesn't Uh like
1: numbers go up? (laughs) Right. Uh, It also opens with, like, Tiff being like, wait, how much loot is there? And Raymer's like, shh, no complaining. We've been behind on loot for, like, since level four. Uh, Mm. But he's like, don't try and talk him into giving us less shit. Um, But yeah, Raymer gets it. He Um, does. I like numbers go up. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we're playing, man. Come on, yeah. So numbers go up here, Um, and he apparently he says that while none of it was completely worthless, some of it was niche. But here is the the pretty good stuff, and I want to at least touch on all of them.
0: Oh, we'll go fast. I was I was willing to skip all of them. (sighs) This isn't that kind of show.
1: Oh Jesus! Okay, don't worry. We'll we'll (laughs) go fast. Ready? Okay. Okay. Space plate. Um, this is a watertight, airtight, two day air supply spacesuit, basically. Yes. So that's kind of cool. Um, you can go deep sea diving or fell seed diving. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a spacesuit. How fun is that? Yeah. And then he's got a Groot suit, the gardener's plate, which lets <laughs> you control like prehensile vines. I like the term Groot suit. <laughs> Groot suit. Groot suit riot. <laughs> and then Alvion's embrace. Um, Oh, the, excuse me, Alvion's van brace. This thing's the coolest. This is like this little uh, van brace, like a fancy wrist. You know, it's a lo- mm-hmm. It's a big bracelet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to put uh, three outfits on there for hot swapping. Yeah, and that's clothes cool. is a permissibly defined uh, concept here, where it can be like up to two hundred pounds worth of armor. <laughs> yes, so that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean. This is going to mean that, you know, like, remember how, uh, I was going to say Valkyrie, um, Raven went all Valkyrie mode immediately, like when shit hit the wind mm-hmm. and she, her suit comes out of nowhere. I think, um, Paladas does that too. Well, now he's got one. Yeah. Yeah. Just flip a switch. Boom. And, you know, he can have his fancy clothes or whatever, then he can have the space plate just in case, and then his other armor, right? Mm-hmm. So he's, he's going to be equipped for multiple situations. All right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do all the talking here, so jump in on any of these. But I tell you what, probability blade. Why don't you tell me what that does? Unless you're not looking at it, in which case I'll tell you. It's Um,
0: like a gray um, blur of a blade. And whenever he swings in combat or uses in combat, it shifts to whatever weapon would be the most advantageous in that particular situation. So, yes, exactly. But what I hear when I
1: see that is if it's going to be whatever suited the occasion best... It's going to be the perfect counter for any weapon. That sounds right to me, yeah. So this is some high-level cool shit. Like, you know, so um, we were just fawning over uh, Raven's Time Blade, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, sure,
0: it'll go right through his arm. But if he's got this sword, the sword will be whatever it needs to be to stop it. I don't know if anything could stop the Time Blade, though. It's a slice of frozen time. Like, what kind of weapon could stop that? Whatever, whatever sword is best suited to the occasion. Right, but I don't think it, like, turns into magic sword. I think it turns into a sword of any shape, right? Or could it be even any magical thing?
1: Uh, I don't know. It's a blur of metal, a gray blur. I'm not sure if that means a gray, you know, shapeless slab, or if it's, like, really, like, ephemeral, and it does become whatever. Um, Maybe it does just do blade stuff,
0: but yeah, if it, cause otherwise it would basically just turn into the, the time slice blade for anytime he wants to cut anything. Right. Well, it would only do that if he's fighting something that that would be the best thing for it. Right. If you want to cut anything, that would be the best thing for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I suppose you're right. <laughs> I, yeah. okay. Maybe it's a little less powerful than I had hoped. Um, then he's got the needler. So instead of throwing that one dagger that like it mentioned, always hurt his hand when it flew back and hit it. Um, mm-hmm. This
0: one, like, makes copies, and mm-hmm. then if he wants, they explode. Yes, when he twists it, the, the the handle. Did you catch the reference, the name reference? Needler. Um, is that the needle gun from Halo? Yep. Nice.
1: I haven't played Halo since the first one. I think I played through the second. I didn't finish the third. You know, I, I think it's just because I'm not that good, but I hated how you can empty an entire clip into somebody and they're still okay right right i'm like okay fuck it i don't want to play with space weapons anymore like mm-hmm. i want to go play with bullets and shoot you know people in call of duty if i'm going to play this kind of game okay but yeah Did i you remember the first needler. yeah that was cool and the um what was that giant sword remember like, there oh, was, like that plasma I, sword
0: uh-huh i don't remember what it was called maybe it was plasma sword
1: well in any case that that's awesome maybe that's the probability blade too mm. um Oh, this is funny. The ring of upward bliss tapping the ring three times to teleport me a mile into the air. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, without Hoping other stuff, there, you're fucked. But um, mm-hmm. it's funny. This is the first mention. And I hadn't even thought about it. The slow fall tattoo from when he fell out of the plane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, oh, yeah, I need to get me some of those. And then I can actually use this thing. Yeah. Um, pendant. pendant. When worn around the neck, it gave the ability to precisely recall rules, facts, pronunciation, and other miscellanea. In effect, it was a limited form of eidetic memory with a rather narrow focus. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. (laughs) If you wanted to ever be a grammar Nazi, that's grammar (laughs) Nazi easy mode. Well, or like the best lawyer ever, right? Um, Mm, I think
1: it would help in some situations. So Amarellis takes this. I think it is best suited for her. You know, because if someone's going to yeah. argue with, like, no, I said this. Actually, no. If you look back at chapter nine, you know, section eight of our contract, you'll see that it says this. And she's enough to be looking at the thing to have it memorized, right? Mm hmm. So she's going to look like a badass. Um, and then we, I remember we talked about concordance when something back when we were learning about ward magic, but it's whatever pool of energy warders use. Yes. And this gives more of that. Um, and because. Turbulenta because uh bethel is you know super what's the word not needy uh demanding whatever (laughs) she's like i want that and grac's like or they kind of decide how about grac gets to use it because he's you know the warder um Mm -hmm. you can use it when when he's in the house but what the hell are you gonna do with it like get out of here you're not even you don't even make wards as far as we know Um, yeah and anyway
0: she just wants the cool stuff grac gets it because she he deserves it so Although we know that she does make wards because that one time that uh, Raven came in the house, she was specifically like moving wards around so they had separate air supplies. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's cool. But what? She's getting tired? Boo hoo. Um, yeah. You know, at the end of the day,
1: she can shoot them shoot or, you know, whatever. Anyone who gives her any guff, she can just cut their heart out, right? So mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's ward magic. That's just her doing other stuff. Yes. So anyway, that's kind of fun. Um Bethel got cool stuff. Solace got a new staff. Um, and I think that was about it. But I just, I wanted to go through all that cool stuff. See, it only took a five minutes, but totally worth it. This okay. is, I, I wanted to bring it up because this is the stuff that like, you know, they've been at kind of like the similar power level for a while. I don't know how long, but he hasn't done mm-hmm. anything like novel and badass in a while. Like mm-hmm. maybe since the prison when they
0: broke out Volter. right? I don't know, man. Like the stuff that he was doing in the uh, library fight was pretty freaking sweet.
1: Yeah, but it, other than the ability to, you know, uh, save scum, like, he wasn't doing anything new and awesome. Um, well,
0: he didn't have new toys, but, like, he was using all his abilities to, like, a level we've never seen before. And now he's got it, new toys. Well, yes, now he has new toys. <laughs> <laughs> Numbers went up, Inyash. Let's let's just be happy about it. I, I'm sorry, I was not trying to bring us down.
1: No, no, you weren't. You, you do point out that he hasn't exactly been stagnant, but... Um, this is a leap in the uh, you know intense direction of let's kick some ass. Yeah, and my my estimate that like he's not going to be Uther level in this book changed significantly because I didn't really know that there'd be this you know these kind of power jumps. Mm-hmm. You know, Uther, I a I guess yeah it was a higher level or whatever, sure. But part of his badassery was just from having all this cool stuff. So yeah, you give enough cool stuff to June, and you know we're looking at Uther Junior here. That's right. Maybe even Uther Sr. by the time he gets to the end. I wonder if Uther knew still or vibrational magic. We didn't really see him do much, but I mean, we haven't seen him much, so. No. All right. I know they mentioned some magics. I don't remember which, though. Yeah, he definitely could do some. Yeah. Um, But I wonder if,
0: oh, wait, he actually founded the
1: School of Sound and Silence, or the Athenaeum. Yes, but that doesn't necessarily
0: mean he knew how to do the ma- magic. No, but
1: it does tie us nicely into chapter 142, Sound and Silence.
0: It does. So, so they are going to this town that has the Athenaeum at the of Sound Silence, which teaches the two magics. And uh, they decide just like, <laughs> fuck it, let's bring the whole base over. So uh, Bethel flies herself over there. Um, and... It, they buy a little plot of land and pop a building on it, which is Bethel, uh, with this comment, it was wildly flagrantly illegal to simply erect a building on a plot of land in the middle of a city. Even if you happen to own that land, <laughs> need permits, inspections, more inspections, more permits, and the gentle caress of a dozen bureaucratic tentacles. <laughs> we at last are seeing the true horrors of Erb. The 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 bureaucracy is what slows down and destroys everything and quality of life. And maybe they could have fixed all their problems by now if it wasn't for all the fucking paperwork and permits that they had to do to do anything. I think David would have, would have approved of both this chapter and the last two minutes of this podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the hells
0: are one thing, but the zoning laws on Arab are the real hell. Am I right? Dude, I replaced my own sliding glass door in my place. And then I was told afterwards, oh, you had to get approval from the HOA to change your own door first. And uh, since I didn't get approval, I had to pay $25 fine, which, you know what? I'd rather pay the $25 fine than have to do whatever bureaucratic bullshit they wanted me to do and wait ages and, like, wrangle with them and negotiate. So it was worth the fine. But also, fuck you charging me $25 because I didn't bow and scrape before I changed my own damn door. That is pretty silly. Uh, yeah. HOAs are nonsense. That said, you did
1: sign the contract. So, did uh, I
0: read the contract? No, no,
1: no, I did not. We, of course, everyone reads the terms and services agreements of their of the <laughs> app they download, right?
0: Uh, right,
2: right.
1: Yeah, I mean, firstborn son and eternal soul. Check it. It's funny, you know. On the one hand, I kind of get it. I don't want my neighbor to be able to buy a plot of land next to my house and put up some, you know, tinder box that's going to burn my house down, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I get the well intentioned behind it. But, you know, this isn't the mind killers or this isn't whatever, but <laughs> I, you guys talked about that, um, that project in California that basically built like shipping container sized houses. And before people are allowed to live with them, live in them, they were told, no, you have to destroy these people can't live in these because yeah. they're not, up, they're not up to code. And, you know, it, it does just seem like the obvious solution there, you know, unless again, they're, they're dangerous to the, to the surrounding community, which it doesn't seem like they are then you get to sign a piece of paper that says, yes, I understand this doesn't have the proper ventilation that a structure this, you know, whatever ought to have, right? Yeah. I, am wa- I, I you understand the, the risk.
0: You have the worst homelessness problem in the nation, and someone is trying to fix this for you basically for free, and you're making them destroy the houses. Fuck off. Fuck off indeed. Oh. But let's get back into Arab, which is more fun than the real world. Uh, where Amaryllis gets all pissy because he called the it's June called the Athenaeum a college, and June says he was making a joke, and Amaryllis tells him to make better jokes. <laughs> and I, I remember her being really touchy about this before too, and I still have no idea why. What the deal is with this? Maybe it's because colleges are worthless and Athenaeums aren't. <laughs> that's, that could be. Yeah, maybe it's like calling something you, uh, the calling Harvard the local diploma mill. Right. You know, if, yeah,
1: I mean, at the very least, you know, if you are like a Harvard grad or something and you're like, oh, so you went to school and it's like, I went to Harvard, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's that snooty about it, but maybe it was also just like, no, this isn't just college. This isn't Athenaeum, it. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to learn stuff here and it's going to be hard and useful. Mm-hmm. Um, or who knows? Maybe there's, maybe, maybe, you know, college is the next Z word. Um, yeah. But there's, there's other couple beats on this. Uh, I I can't remember if this was the same bit where... No, this is all before they go into the college. So, yeah, it's when they come out that there's this other stuff going on. Um, But, oh, yeah, because Bethel was all stoked in the idea of the stand-your-ground law that she gets um, that Amarillo's built into the contract of the country that they're building. Yeah, Uh, It's a very lenient stand-your-ground law, which means that Bethel gets to kill anyone who comes inside her. um, Mm -hmm. Phrasing. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's funny because June
0: would be so dead.
1: Well, oh, because he comes inside. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, the the funny thing is that she mentioned when she was talking about the people that she killed. Like it wasn't just because they came inside me. Um, mm-hmm. And she used that she used that phrase, and I put phrasing in the notes back then. But and then I then I unintentionally used that phrase just now. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, now that I beat that death, joke to death, I can point out that oh amaryllis has lawyers on retainer across the entire plane um, yes in the top 10 cities but on air by population as well as all the cities with an athenaeum in them fucking awesome she's she's just ready like yeah it'd be one thing to have like a great lawyer ready to telegram or radio or you know summon in by teleportation pad but no, she's like no fuck it we need them all over just in case
0: yeah, yeah. and we got the money so fucking get it done i just think that's amazing yeah amaryllis is awesome <laughs> yeah I'm so glad they have an
1: Amaryllis on their team. I, I, you know, they all bring something to the team. We haven't thought about team dynamics in a while, but uh, Amaryllis is indispensable. Yes. You know, Remember, there was a line in Methods of Rationality when it was like a McGonagall point of view. And it says that she was sitting there like filling out one of the thousand pieces of paperwork that it took to keep Hogwarts from grinding to a halt. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what Amaryllis is just doing all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who do you think is paying our bills? Like, right. <laughs> you know, you know how food just shows up? Well, I
0: guess Bethel summons food, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. You know, she's, she's doing a lot of the legwork mm-hmm. and people don't even notice. Well, and specifically one of the things they don't notice is her thinking about the narrative. Because when we had that uh, chapter that was, was it from Bethel's point of view? It was, June wasn't there anyway. And not Bethel's point of view, um, Amaryllis's. I don't remember whose point of view it was, but June was not there. And uh, Amaryllis was like talking openly about the narrative and what they got to do, which is something she never did around June. And he, (laughs) June comments about this again now when she like starts maybe hinting towards narrative and he's like, no, no, let's not talk about narrative. That's dumb. Uh, he says that maybe the DM, like, the DM wants to see what he's going to do, what June's going to do, and how he's going to respond, and whether he's going to pass whatever these tests are. Uh, and June says, "He, I wasn't going to twist myself into a knot trying to guess what he had in store for me. Especially since I would have to go down however many meta levels he was playing at. At first, I, I thought that this was really dumb of June to not be taking into account the fact that a god is watching him and cares about the storyline that he is watching. But After reading this, I think it's actually just instrumentally smart of June to not think about the narrative and specifically, and to let Amaryllis do it instead. Because if he was engaging with the narrative, the DM would just be playing one level higher than him. Like he said, he's had to go up to meta levels. And uh, then June would have to be like thinking about what's the DM thinking? And what's he doing with me now to screw with what I think about him? And like, things would be far harder to predict and to prepare for and just who knows where this could end up but uh as long as he's like nope not gonna think about the narrative just focusing on the quests and the storyline like that way he keeps the story grounded on the actual quest text for the most part and uh amaryllis can do all the meta gaming off screen where it doesn't impact the narrative and doesn't count against june and i think that was really freaking smart I agree. It's it's smart from a from a strategic point of view, but also just from like a sanity
1: point of view. I mean the DM will always be playing one level higher than him, up to and including the ability to read his thoughts and rewrite them however he wants. Yeah. Like if if June had a really well, clever thought about how to usurp narrative, like the DM would just be like, Oh no, you didn't have that thought.
0: I don't know. Can he actually change read June's thoughts? I got the impression that he he couldn't read June's thoughts. I'm pretty positive he can. Um
1: I will have to skim back through the conversation he had with the DM, but I think he did say that you'll have like no privacy, but like if he can monitor June's, you know, he's getting the information to feed out about like June's soul, right? Mm-hmm. June's memories are in June's soul. You know, your thoughts are part of that. I think his thoughts have mm-hmm. to be visible. Um, okay. You know, it, especially unless, you know, June is like a black box AI running in this game. Um, then... That was my, mostly my assumption. Oh, I mean, I, that could be, um, I assume the DM was fully in it. Um,
0: but you know, what? the really hard part about this, like June has to live this lie. He can't ever off, off screen say to Amaryllis, Hey, take care of the meta narrative stuff. I'm just going to keep focusing on the, on the quests because like, then it's in the narrative because he doesn't ever get to be off screen. So like, he just has to trust that. Amaryllis knows what she's doing and no matter what he thinks what he may actually be trying to game out he he just he has to live this life for the rest of his life until it becomes god that nope i'm just i don't care about the narrative i'm focusing on the quest and maybe maybe that's actually true but like whew, having to live your life that way to be paranoid about god always watching you so that you can't actually say the thing is that's a hell of a commitment
1: yeah i i think that mind you are gonna have to come into play here you know like um, Amaryllis's crush was an anagram of June's first crush, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that June did, never said who his first crush was until that second, so either he re- rewrote Amaryllis's past to make that the case, mm-hmm. or just had this NPC vocalize those noises, or he had read June's mind at some point, right? Probably during the upload, but maybe he got like a mind dump of June when he got here, not
0: since. I mean, um, if if this is like in the far future, maybe he could have just read a biography of June or something.
1: That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, am I'm, I'm with June. Um, and he's okay, lucky because yeah. Emer- Emerilus is that level of smart mm-hmm. where like, she's never going to ask him, Hey, do you want me to keep doing narrative stuff off screen? <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause
1: she knows that, you know, she, she is like the one person who's savvy enough to like, not just not acknowledge it, but also do stuff without ever bringing it to attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So he gets to go in and talk with the, I don't know what the barer, barser, whatever. The dean of the, mm-hmm. the school, right? Sure. Yes. Um, and he's like hitting this hookah that like gives him emotions. Mm-hmm. Did, did we talk about this? That sounds vaguely familiar, but. I
0: think we did. So um, these guys were in the
1: book at some point in passing. Yes. Okay. Well, it seems weird. I don't know why you'd ever take a hit of indignation when you can't just take one for like you know, focus or whatever.
0: Well, indignation is very motivating. I guess Maybe feeling like I should be indignant right now. And I need to feel that in order to be correctly act like I should act. then then that's what you do. It's so funny that you'd like know what emotion you want to be feeling mm.
2: and then
1: just go find the thing that you have to feel that feeling. I, I
0: actually kind of wish I could do that sometimes.
1: Yeah, I suppose. But then I guess I, I would like to think that, I don't know. There'd never be a point of ever sniffing the angry one, right?
0: Um, no, there's there's always, not always, there's situations where getting angry is really good. I, I mean, it helps you stand up for yourself, especially when you're getting screwed by something.
1: I suppose you're right. I, mm-hmm. And, you know, you keep the whatever blind rage one in your back pocket just in case, um, mm-hmm. you know, in case of an emergency. It's mm-hmm. like those smelling salt things. You just snap it and huff it, and then suddenly you're in berserk mode for however long this thing lasts yeah um anyway there was supposed to, there's a lot of like politicking involved uh finch was supposed to set stuff up but finch also told june go strong arm this guy um mm-hmm. and there apparently wasn't enough gold changing hands to where like he actually has to do gasp a whole week of classes i know then he gets to do the week-long meditation um, mm-hmm. which just makes this you know this thing that would ordinarily take somebody 10 years take two weeks instead of one, and they're all kind of put yeah. out about it. It's two and a half weeks because classes don't even start for three days. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. And what's great is that the second... Oh, we're not quite there yet, but the second they say we've got three days where nothing's going on, then, of course, something happens. So Yes.
0: But we'll get there in just a second. Yes. Uh, he does... Uh, he does. He is surprised uh, by how little paperwork there is and then he's like, huh, you know what? I guess they don't have laser printers uh, or, or Xerox machines. So it kind of makes sense since every single thing has to be either done with like spirit duplicators or written out by hand or something. And I was like, God damn it. That's right. The real world and its stupid proliferation of making it easy to make everything really tedious is really screwing us in, in ways. Like we, we made the EULA joke earlier, right? No one reads that because <laughs> it's fucking. Crazy long bullshit doesn't doesn't matter. How many people that have bought a house this century have actually read the full contract for what is probably the largest purchase of their life? Because I'm betting it's less than one percent. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I've never read one of those. It's just one of those things where like, yeah, this is why I pay a realtor. I trust that the, either they looked over it, or or if you know there's something fucked up in the contract, then the court is going to be like, that's stupid. It shouldn't be in the contract. It's thrown out now. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like, so I haven't read the full whatever book, but it does come with like everything that you sign next to has like a nice, succinct explanation of what it is that you're signing and what you have to trust. Well, I I, I was going to say, it is my understanding that those have to be representative of like what's actually Mm -hmm. in the text that you're agreeing to. Mm -hmm. And like, granted, it doesn't contain everything that's in the text because you're reading the short version, but it's like, this part says that you agree that you have to pay your mortgage or we get to start. Trying to take your house, right? Like, yeah. you know, and yes, they have to say that in twenty thousand words because there's a lot involved. But the short version is is like, you know, pay for the house, or or we get to try and take it, right? Yeah. Um, I I think that that has to be convincing. But point is, yes, it turns out that with our abundance of of ability to save and transfer information, um, we have a lot more of it going around. So. If you want to enroll in a school without the internet, apparently it's a little more than just like signing your name on
0: a piece of paper. Yeah. I kinda kinda miss when the world was a bit more human legible, as opposed to everything has to be filtered through specialized peoples and and computers. We're getting souls. You know what? I know, right? Uh now I feel like an old man yelling at clouds. You know, this is the way things have to be in order to get my iphone or some shit i don't know
1: well we're about to we're about to rail against smartphones here in a second so uh and, we, we get know, another moment the, of yelling at class
0: <laughs> and this is as most of the people are listening to our voices on their smartphones yep okay so there's uh there's a dwarf hold close by which grack goes to visit and Solus is accompanying him and i think that grack and solas seem to be getting really close and that's really nice for for both of them i think it's i it was kind of cool and touching yeah And Raven
1: uses gender gender neutral terms for Crack. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I think uh, the two times that she references, I'm going to keep saying him because that's what Crack said he was cool with at the beginning when we met him. Yeah. Um,
0: If he ever asks us to
1: change, I'll try and update. But yeah.
0: Yeah, she says, and Sola said she would accompany them. Yep. I I, I mean, I just, I didn't even, I think I must have registered the them and just assumed that there was like multiple people going or something. It, it, it. It wasn't until you pointed this out that I was like, oh, that was supposed to be a singular them. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. But cool. I guess just blindness on my part. Well, and, you know, it went by fast. It's true. And it sounds very much like him. Yeah. Um, uh, how
1: did smartphones come
0: up? Uh, uh, because June is like, so oh, yeah. how how are we going to get back together with them? Like, we we have no way to contact them. Who who? who what's going to happen? And uh, is. everyone else is looking at him like, what are you, dumb? We meet up back at the hotel eventually. And, or not a hotel, but at Bethel. And Amaryllis explains to, to Raven that, like, yeah, where Juniper's from, everyone has smartphones. So everyone knows where everyone else is all the time. And, I mean, that's not literally true, but it's it's basically true. <laughs> it's not not true. <laughs> yeah. For anyone important in your life, you basically always know where they are. For, like, anyone who's important to a certain situation, you know where they are. And I was just like thinking. Remember back when, like, you left the house, and then your parents saw you when you came back, or possibly never saw you again, <laughs> and they didn't know which one it would be until you came back.
1: <laughs> it's weird. I, I am in the last like cohort of young of people, uh, I guess you know, in my part of the world and my time that mm-hmm. got that childhood. Yeah, I didn't get a phone until I was like fifteen. Um, so I was give or take a year. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was, I was old enough to have had most of my childhood where like I'd leave the house and the idea would be like, check in by three. So I know if you're home for, so I know if you're gonna be home in time for dinner, Mm -hmm. but like, you're right. I would just be, I would leave the house at nine in the morning
0: and I could be gone for all day. They would never know. Um, and you could go places that were other than the place you said you were going to go and there were no consequences. Because how the hell would anyone check? How would they know?
1: Luckily, I like the the. Maybe it was around towards the end of like high school or something. Because it did come around fast. Um, mm-hmm. but like the tracking technology wasn't really ubiquitous until a few years after I moved out of the moved out of the house. Mm-hmm. So, um, at least that was never a thing. But that is a thing for kids now. Um, yeah. And frankly, God, I totally get that impulse. Like, I don't know how my parents coped with like you know, their son just walking down the street, possibly never to return. Um, Yeah. I I would lose my mind.
0: Uh, I I mean, even without tracking technology, like you can just call your your child up and be like, hey, where are you? Yeah, exactly. They might lie to you, but yeah. Uh, So
1: at least there's that. Mm -hmm. And that's the other fun thing about, you're right, even without tracking is like, you know, if my mom called like four times in the last 10 minutes, I didn't answer. It would not be unreasonable for her to assume that I was dead.
2: Right? <laughs> right, or at least for her to yeah. think
1: that there's not negligible chance. Um, yeah. just because I didn't answer my phone, you know. Right, and so uh, I don't know. Like, w- did you see that episode of Black Mirror, Archangel? Uh, if it was in the first three seasons, then yes. Uh, alas, it was not.
0: Um, okay, it was, it was in
1: didn't. the lame seasons, but mm. those seasons had some good episodes. Okay, and this one had ex- technologies that were in some of the other episodes, but basically, the easiest version is just like a nanny cam for your kid. Um, okay, and I I would have that like you know we have a cat and she's an indoor cat because I would lose my mind if she was outside and you can <clears> get <throat> tracking collars and stuff but I don't I don't think it has like a pulse thing on it like I wouldn't know if she was hurt I would be constantly worried about her that's very not healthy and that's a cat I <laughs> yeah so yeah so no kids for me I mean I I would I think I'd lose my shit i'm sure that you know i would reason my way out of it like look
0: almost no kids die because there are a lot more people now than there used to be um you I, mean, know. I remember one time i wanted to go to downtown denver for a thing i think i was like 14 maybe 15 and my parents were like no you can't go and i was like Argh. and then the next day i left the house and i just went <laughs> i got on my bike i drove to the bus stop i took the bus down i was like downtown all day i was like eh, this is great then i came home my parents were like you were out much later than you said you would be what's gonna happen I'm like eh, i don't know whatever i'm here i'm alive and, and and then not much came of it because I wanted to go and I went. That'd be just like the
1: funniest thing. Like you're getting scolded for like breaking the rules or whatever as a kid and be like, hey, mom, dad, just take a second. Can't we just sit back and appreciate that I wasn't killed today? Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I didn't use those words, but it wasn't really a big deal to me. And it ended up not being that big a deal to them. They were just kind of upset for one evening. Yeah. What's funny is I don't think that would ever diffuse an argument with a parent.
1: They'd be like, you're going to wish you dead. were dead after you're, after you're grounded. Oh, I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's hard for me to differentiate like actual parenting from TV parenting.
0: Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> well, i I hope that you allow your kitty to to have some freedom in her life. You you are like the Bethel of your cat. No, she can do whatever Your she wants. Probably can't get an erection without you taking note.
1: Well, luckily she doesn't get them. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, she can do she can do whatever she wants all the time in the house. It's you know, again, it's yeah. Just,
0: June can do whatever he wants inside Bethel too. It's just that he's, Bethel always knows. I don't know where I don't know where she is right now. She's somewhere in the mm. house, safe. That's all that I care about. okay, all right. <laughs> cool. Alright, well, so um, Raven comments on all this um, stuff being told about June, where June is like, are you giving exposition on me? And Raven says, exposition was always my role in our group. And uh, yeah, we would come to a new place, she'd read all the books as quickly as she could, and uh, and then tell Uther all about him. And that is just like the handiest thing ever. Like this is why you always not always, but this is why often in uh secondary world fantasies or sci-fi or something, you have a person who's like new to the area. So they can always ask all the other people, Hey, what's going on here? What's this? Uh, what, what is this uh, platform nine and three quarters? How do I get there? Because that allows other characters to explain things to uh, this character, which by proxy allows the reader to read these things which they don't know about and uh yeah like having someone like that that's their job whenever they go to a new place is just to find out all about it and dump exposition on uther like very handy for storytelling i if if we didn't already know that vervain was the dmpc i would suspect her as the dmpc just because of how convenient it is yeah but i mean she has to put in the legwork
1: you know vervain could get away with it he's like oh i'm 200 years old i've been here before that's how i knew that yeah Right, he gets a wise old wizard his way into all of his knowledge. Um, it, you you point out really nicely when you mentioned like the idea of having somebody who hasn't been here for storytelling. That's part of what made so much of the um like introductory dialogue in Skyrim so unnatural. Mm. Um, you know, you walk into a what, town. Was it
0: as you know Bob stuff?
1: Basically, and then also just the people coming up to you and just like talking at you for stuff that it's like I you you know I'm a stranger who's wandered into town and you're giving me all this shit. Like, mm-hmm. this is so, you know, don't get me wrong, like game did a lot of stuff that was right and fun, but it was just weird how, uh, yeah, you'd walk into a town and every time, basically every time you got into a new town, something like that would happen. Okay. And so, sometimes you're just like witnessing something else happening over there. And that's kind of fun. Uh, I
0: can just see people standing at their windows every day, looking on the street, being like, is there strangers there. Oh, there's a stranger today. Let's go give them our tasks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's run down and see if at he'll... long last. Yeah. Hey, my,
1: my, my father's sword is in this cave. Oh, my, my family's Royal helmet, you know, like
0: mm-hmm. fetch quests. It's been months since we've had a stranger. Thank God someone can go out there and get the bat dicks for me now. <laughs>
1: We need our fetch quests completed, please. <laughs> um, oh yeah, so Ravens talking about how she used to be the uh the exposition fairy for Uther mm-hmm. and she looks at June and says it says her demeanor changed. Uh, it's not clear on what my role in this group is as yet. And he says, "I don't know either. I think you're a heavy hitter." And she says, "That speaks poorly of your power. No offense." Um mm-hmm. I mean, if she thinks she's not their like their team badass, I really want to see someone that she considers to be, like, a juggernaut. Yeah. Like, she. Well, I, mean, I think she could kill the whole team, maybe minus Bethel, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, there's, what, Val, Amaryllis, June, and
0: Grack. Uh, you know, I don't know. One-on-one, I think she could take any of them all at once. I don't know. I think they'd overpower her. Those balls go pretty fast. And she only has three,
1: so she only has to kill one without using one of her, like, you know, annihilation balls. Yeah,
0: but they were also dodgeable. I suppose. June dodged two of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he had okay luck with them. But he was also, he's the one who could juice, you know, bone speed and stuff. So he's yeah, probably- they all have something they can do. Yeah, Greg's short. He can't dodge that easily.
0: <laughs> He'll just throw up a ward real fast.
1: And if, if Amaryllis is wearing, uh, you know, full plate armor, she's not going to be dodging any thrown projectiles either. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to be able to tank one of those.
0: Uh, That's, all right. I'll yeah. give you, Amaryllis goes down right away. But then she has to deal with the other three. (laughs) And Val's got her pistols, which honestly, I don't know
1: what the good counter is for. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if a shot to the face would have worked on uh, on Raven with her armor or not. I suspect not. No, he did try that. He threw a knife that, like, you know, bounced off her face or something. Yeah. But maybe it has a three-second cooldown. Maybe it wouldn't work against 24 bullets fired out of two pistols.
0: And I think bullets have more damage potential than a thrown knife, um, regardless of how strong you are. But, uh, I think she would find some other way to out combat her if she's wearing a demon rather than shooting her to the face very well.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I tried a few times just to see if it worked, but.
0: Oh yeah. You know, yeah. That's just, or, you, you gotta try, you know. Right. You start <laughs> with the low hanging fruit.
1: <laughs> Shoot him in the face. Um. Yeah. All right. So he's looking around the campus, enjoying like the the earthy kind of college vibe of it. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling the same kind of, you know, oh, yeah, this is kind of like a college campus. I I can totally dig it. And then he does a double take. My eyes widen as I recognized him. And he like the person he's talking about says something to the group and then kind of jogs over to June. And then we get logically it wasn't Raymer. I've met two doppelgangers so far, you know, Bethel as Tiff and Raven as Maddie. And this person is probably Raymer in looks only on the taller side, you know, with a blonde crew cut and glasses and a smarmy grin, even as he goes walking over. Not Raymer, just meant to look like him for the dungeon master's ineffable reasons. And the guy says, Juniper? Holy fucking shit, Juniper?
0: <laughs> so that was amazing. I'm really glad he didn't yep. leave me cliffhanging here. I absolutely was going to at first. It was going to be a three chapter week. And because just like, I, this is such a good cliffhanger. I wanted to torture you. But then I was like, ah, there's not really quite enough content. They, we really got to have four chapters or people are going to be like, there wasn't enough content. I'll be like, yeah, you're right. But I wanted to torture Steven. They're going to be like, that's not a good enough reason. Cause you're torturing us too. And I'm like, but I love torturing people. So, so I added a fourth chapter, but if I had ended this chapter here, would that not have been fucking awesome? It would have been,
1: um, it would have been good torture. You know, I don't want to encourage you to like, I I'm reluctant to say this cause I don't want you to torture me, but you know, don't let the, the, the worries of, you know, the crowd make you, Make decisions that you think wouldn't be optimal for the for your design here. That said, I think this is a good pace. And we do have time left to cover this next chapter, which isn't actually that long. So like it, it worked out. But uh,
0: and I'm glad I wasn't left cliffhanging there. But, you know, if there's ever time where, you know, you know, you do you. So when you got to the end of that chapter and he says it's just someone that looks like Raymer and then he says, Juniper, holy fucking shit, Juniper. Were you thinking, oh, my God, this is Raymer that's been that's been sucked into this world, too? 100%. Oh I oh, I, damn, I real I really wish I would have left you hanging
1: <laughs> i mean i got uh I got strung along a bit too in the next chapter
0: yes um, yeah, it was so
1: perfectly executed
0: hmm um i that was actually the first thing that I pulled out in the next chapter. my first comment was in the next chapter we're now doing chapter one forty three manifold paths uh that uh how long did you think that, you know, he was, he was Raymer that did it in and, uh, and that this was earth Raymer and like, what was your experience reading that first part?
1: So I took a lot of notes. I'll try and summarize them because I don't want to take all day, but so the way that Raymer is talking, he's like, what the actual fuck, what are you doing here? When did you get jacked? Like, that sounds like this is just like, you know, an unusual, but not entirely, entirely unheard of instance where somebody, you know, what do you mean? Got jacked. You know, you Mm -hmm. mean like plugged in here? I took that Mm -hmm. to me and grabbed and pulled into the matrix. Mm -hmm. And apparently Raymer's first name is also Arthur, which uh,
0: surprised me. Um, We we talked about that one time. I'm sure we did. We were like, oh yeah, that's why they always call him Raymer because there were two Arthurs and the one that he knew first was the one that got to stay Arthur. I completely forgot that. Okay. Uh, You know, I didn't think it was significant. I'm sure that it was, I I knew that it must've been somewhere in
1: the book, but I totally forgot about it. But yeah, he's, you know, wait, like, are you Juniper Smith? Like, what the hell? So June, trying to play it cool, he's like, what's the last thing you remember, remember hearing about me? And he's like, you were arrested. Then even at that point, I was still thinking like, wait, after he beat up that kid for you know, saying Uh-oh. everything happens for a reason, like that yeah. could have been when, when Raymer was pulled in, right? Mm-hmm. But then he says, expedited sentencing or something. I thought you were in prison. And I'm like, okay, prison's a little heavy for you know, beating a kid up at school yeah and you look at expedited sentencing in the Midwest if you're getting into a tuss in you know to a tussle in a schoolyard um mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, wait, he's talking about the meat suit um yeah. you know, okay, so that's fun though
0: um i i I could still I'm still super into it, but that's as long as it lasted okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, because at that point the the story's even like starting to tell you yeah this is this is not earth framework,
1: but the thing is like up until that moment, the story was telling me that it was. Um, yes you know he's acting which, which exact sure same
0: was, yeah it was yeah. intentional on uh, yeah, yeah. Wales's part it was fantastic it was so good
1: um there were a couple quick things where like uh so Raymer doesn't comment on how he looks like the aftershot of steve rogers when he gets the super soldier serum mm-hmm. right june is like explicitly inches taller than he used to be yes and much more muscular and he's not like yeah. holy hell man you look great um, right, maybe he'll do that when they actually meet for like coffee or whatever later, but mm-hmm. um that'd have be been the first thing out of my mouth, you know if I saw somebody I knew from school or i I get the feeling that they're closer, right, um yeah, you know, so they were like actually friends back in the day, um uh, yeah, you know if if I saw an old friend, I'm like, holy hell, when did you get to
0: be six, five? you know you were five <laughs> ten last time I saw you. Um, I mean, I hear about getting prison ripped, but I, I don't expect <laughs> someone to put on five inches as well. Yeah, you get
1: you get strong, but you don't get tall. So, right? what's interesting is that either way, if he comments on that or he doesn't, both will be interesting because one will mean that like this Raymer's memories were rewritten, or like his his experience was altered such that he didn't notice or care about that fact, um, mm-hmm. or. He'll be like, wait, how'd you get so big? Like, what's going on here? And that could be an open opportunity to uh, just go full disclosure with him, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right now, they're just out on the street having a quick chat between classes and might be, like, impolite to be like, weren't you shorter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm looking forward to their longer chat. Yeah. And I do think that
1: um, the, you know, if he's going to go back and meet all the people from his hometown, I feel like full disclosure is the way to go. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, they get
0: the the quest update
1: yeah you know you don't want to you, you want to keep that sticker tight to the chest but like apparently these people knew june and yeah. uh and how long can he pretend to be that person whose memories he doesn't have at all well you could just run away and never talk to them which is one option opportun- you know one option but if you're i feel like they might deserve some closure yeah you know and you can give i guess half disclosure be like hey yeah when i was in the plane i got dream skewered funny enough yeah. the person you know that i'm skewered or wait the that me now was also named juniper smith i knew a guy named dreamer on earth this place mm-hmm. I'm, where i'm deluded to think i came from um which is no doubt you know it's obviously because i knew you guys um yeah but so like he, he can spin it in a way that doesn't say by the way i've got I architect of the world and i'm the next to the pen and all that mm-hmm. but yeah there's a good way to tie this dream skiering business in fact the dream skiering like being a delusion uh sounds kind of reasonable if it weren't for the game layer and all the NTAD prediction stuff. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, wait a minute, all your friends from school? Yeah, those are all your friends from your
0: regular life. You know, dipshit. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. (laughs) It's like, it's like every every TV show that has like a a supernatural thing to it. If it goes on long enough, eventually has an episode where the protagonist is in an insane asylum, and the, the the you know the the head psychologist is whatever father figure they had in the show, and everyone shows up as like a nurse or some or a fellow inmate or something. And and then, you know, it turns out at the end that they're not actually crazy, that it was some demon or alien trying to trying to fuck with them. But but that yeah, the same kind of thing. We're like, yeah, of course, this is what you think, because this is what, what the real world was. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's awesome. And this was just brilliantly executed. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem. Well, I mean, he's at the school of witchcraft and wizardry. Maybe he is going to be badass enough to join the team.
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: That would be fun, especially if you
0: retained any of like Earthreamer's personality. And yes. like propensity towards munchkinry. Can munchkin things for them. Yeah. Although Amaryllis kind of does that right now. But he could help.
1: Yeah, she does it in a pragmatic way. He does it like in just a straight up what's the best way I can cheat kind of way.
0: Right. He could be like her right hand man. He could be like the um the the Jorge to Amarillus's finch. Yeah. I've got a you know,
1: as long as we're we're mentioning their possible connection, it's worth mentioning that apparently Oh, gee, Juniper Smith had a poster of Amaryllis in his bedroom,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just the
1: funniest thing. Uh, I don't know what to, you know, there's not much there other than just like, it's hilarious. This whole thing is, there's a bunch of great comedy beats in these couple of chapters. And this yeah. this was exhilarating and thrilling and, you know, horrifyingly awesome and funny at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And get this, the quest update for They Say You Can't Get Home Again is uh, that he had a life with parallels to your own? The man you met is not Raymer. The girl you will meet is not Tiff. But they're close enough for our purposes. <laughs> like, oh shit! I'm I'm looking forward to this.
1: It's kind of funny that the DM would would uh, spoil that. Uh, I guess. I mean, yeah. it just does not seem like his thing, right? He even yeah, says, he says that he just wants to do avoid spoilers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, now he's prepared to bump into a Tiff that. And if they're close enough for our purposes, this means that, oh, okay, we dated and then we had a falling out. Exactly. Yeah. So he's going to know that going in, but he can still just mm. run with the whole like amnesia thing, which of mm-hmm. course, would be you know, if he's trying to explain why, you know, he left after a bad breakup or whatever. Oh, amnesia. How convenient, June. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everyone says that. <laughs> just like you. <laughs> if, if dream skewering were like more popular, they'd be like, oh, everyone says they were dream skewered after they, you know, were an asshole or something. Right. Mm hmm. That'd be like a really funny thing, uh, where it's just like, again, now that we know that no one has been dream skewered in five hundred years, then uh this wasn't popular enough for people to pretend. But if it happened just like one in fifty thousand people and you mm-hmm. just decided that you hated your life, you could just wake up and pretend to be dream skewered.
0: That would be awesome.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know who any of you are. I'm sorry, I'm gonna go find a new life.
0: Bye. <laughs> oh, I wonder if that like happens in real life where people pretend to have amnesia. to breaking bad did it
1: yeah he pretends that he had like a fugue state and that's why he like because he
0: oh that's could, right yeah. yeah yeah there was no yeah. reasonable
1: account for his his whereabouts for like two days so he's just like all right let's give them an unreasonable account of my whereabouts Yeah, and he just meanders into a gas station fully
0: nude <laughs> the um so we after this cut to a part where Grak is with solace uh going into the dwarf town and i think this is told from Greg's pov i think for me this is like one of those points of evidence in in favor of they actually are fully simulated beings with complex inner lives because we get to see what he did from his pov and that's that's cool that's like he's a person right yeah i mean
1: don't get me wrong i think that they probably are i hope they are and i'm trying to guard myself against motivated thinking so i don't know if i'm overcorrecting or if i'm appropriately correcting but like you get cut scenes all the time you know? Hmm. Of what other people yeah. are up to. And granted, that's not how June is experiencing this. Like, we're getting it kind of as a cutscene. But it's done with an internal monologue that you don't often get with, with cutscenes. Yeah. So, that said, as far as I'm concerned, crack, who's probably real, and uh Solace, went into a dwarf dwarven
0: stronghold, or whatever, cave? Dwarf hold, that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes they did. And um... They are told that, uh, we are told that they got some weird looks because, you know, he's a full-grown dwarf with a uh, five-year-old kid that has antlers coming out of her head. But he says there were otter couples in Leo. Uh, there are people who are actively trying to be strange. And Greg liked that. And, you know, come to think of it, I kind of like that, too. There's also people here that are actively trying to be super weird all the time and it gives cover for the rest of us to just be kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So I think they're they're doing us all a service and godspeed to them. Thank you Uber weirdos. On the plus side with I mean yes, that's good and we we appreciate your service. Um
1: <laughs> the uh I think if I remember now, I think solace actually is like a tween when she went back from being like that giant like that big guy and then like June was gone for a while then oh from the library then he comes back and she's Got her horns. I think she's like a tween and not a five-year-old now. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. She aged herself up a bit because I've been thinking about that, and something clicked in my mind. Last week, I'm like, wait a minute, no, she's not the child version. She's like the young person version. Um, okay, but yeah, so you know, the age discrepancy is only kind of obvious, but it might not be. I guess what I'm getting at is that you know you might not you might see what looks like a 30-year-old dwarf holding hands with a 12-year-old, which would which still be awkward probably but there's enough like species communication or confusion where it's like this is you know the, the average passerby will probably be like this is probably fine right yeah she she's not you know living you know chained in his basement right, <laughs> right. Uh, so yes they seem on the up and up
0: uh it's revealed here that the goal did not end up staying in darilli irid uh even though juniper had made plenty of offers to let it stay there so i guess they, they put it back in the glove and left after that and i think that's kind of lame i say boo they should have left it there because that's that's how you do the penance thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit upset by this. And I'm also not liking that it punches a hole in my whole, in my theory about them, you know, storing up uber powers and hiding them away in places of the world to come back to later because <laughs> now that's not a thing.
1: Well, they can store it in their glove or in the house and it's similar, um, uh, but guess. it's not their secret cache of gold. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I was actually I'm surprised you were like. I was glad that they brought it because it was Gregg's discretion. Right. But what it means that if they didn't leave it there for penance, it's because he realized that this, you know, that there isn't a penance to pay, you know, this isn't like, yes, I will go forth and try and do good with my life. But, you know, I don't, I'm not going to do any good by just like making a sacrifice to these people. You know, Um, I guess
0: that, yeah. Leaving the gold here doesn't do anyone any good. Yeah.
1: And, And not, not just that, like, the you know the the non-pragmatism of it but also i think there's something nice about the symbolism because like the, the gesture was always going to be symbolic right mm-hmm. and so for him saying no nah, actually you know what scratch the gesture
0: i'm going to i'm going to be okay without that i think that's a good for him i guess maybe he'll be more motivated to actually do good in the world knowing that there isn't the goal down there relieving that that you know acting like a a a solve on his conscience Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's better. I don't know. I I still... I like my symbolisms, darn it. I I like my grand gestures. I do, too. You know, going down there, being ready to kill himself was a grand gesture. Yeah. Then he wimped out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look at him. (laughs) I'm glad he did. Found a reason to live. Like a loser. Yeah, he's not going to (laughs) burn in
1: hell forever or anything.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess it's better. I still... Took a little bit of the romance off, but I like your way of looking at it, that now he has to actually do things. You know what took a little of the romance off it for me? And we talked about it last week.
1: Is just like, you know, if there was like this cool monument that, you know, to to the sacrifice or whatever, or to the accident of what happened there in the form of, you know, gold, which is culturally significant to dwarves, like, that'd be cool. But mm-hmm. the some of the awesomeness is stripped away when I realized that, like, this thing is like, you know... The size of an Xbox 360, like this, that, this, th- I mean, maybe two of them are stacked on top of each other, right? like eh, I'd say three. But it's like this; it's not like an impressive amount of gold to look at, like yeah. like that SMBC comic. But it's like, okay, yeah, that's the symbol. This, this, yeah, that that
0: cube over there. Like, if it was if it was a small mountain of gold, that would be something to behold. It but would, it would probably be damned impressive to anyone who knew how much gold was worth, though. Right, but to idiots like me, I'd be like, oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah that's just some metal man
1: <laughs> i thought i thought you cared about your family like this is this is just a that's just a you know a few few pot a few bricks fine all right yeah. i guess you kind of liked them <laughs>
0: <laughs> um i i the so they go into the dwarf town they go to a tavern and he does just the old school buying people drinks looking for rumors in a tavern to get your quests thing and i loved that whole scene because it was such old school fantasy I, I like I was having nostalgia flashbacks. Hey, you're having Riller Rillerin. But Huh. The other fun thing
1: about that is that because he's Grack, he does it in an explicit way. You know, mm-hmm. like in most stories, you go there and start buying so many drinks and getting information out of them. He just straight up says, can I buy you drinks for information? <laughs> yes. And he does it to dwarves. So the dwarves are like, yeah,
0: man, sounds that, good. That is an agreeable trade. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is exactly how this should have been done. Good. good very good. Yeah. He uh, he does, again, bring up the uh, Rillin nostalgia for world that never was and never would be. And... I don't know. I know we talked about it before, but we didn't really touch on it then. It got me thinking that, like, I assume everyone who consumes a lot of fiction gets that sometimes. And nowadays, that's just, like, everyone in the first world, right? Probably. Hmm. Um, You know,
1: it's been a while since I've had that feeling. But I'm glad that he did describe, like, you know, he gave, Alexander gave us a word to describe a feeling that we can all relate to. Uh, Yeah. And it's, unfortunately, it's really hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, other
0: than that, we now have at least a handle for this emotion. And, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I I do wish it was a bit easier to say. If it doesn't come, come into fixation in our language, that's probably going to be why. Really, Rin. I mean, I guess it's not that hard. But,
1: I yeah, mean, it's not bad. looking it at really it on the page, ran. I's and L's kind of look the same. and mm. But, you know, you don't get
0: to be that picky when you're designing new words. So, And there's a lot of bad words out there that have come into, into fixation anyway. So That's true. Yeah. All right. Um, we skip. Uh, he does get the the information that he wanted, which it was really cool and just fun to read. He, he's uh, basically
1: asking, like, for for mysteries of like, are these the kinds of things that only Juniper Smith, the chosen one, can solve? Um, mm-hmm. He's not looking for just like, you know, oh yeah, there was a mugging last week, right? No, no, I'm looking for yeah. for big stuff. And he's thinking in his mind about the chosen one. And it occurred to me that like June needs a cool nickname. You think they should call him the chosen one? No, that's a little, like, that's a bit much, but just, you know, Uther Pendrag sounds badass, right? Who do we need? Yes. Like, oh, who's, who's coming to save us? Who's coming over the hill? Oh, look, it's June Smith. You know? <laughs> Thank goodness. Mr. Smith. Yeah. It, it doesn't have the same kind of, like, oomph to it. So either he needs to kill a few dragons and put oomph into
0: that name or get a cool nickname Juniper the Dragon Slayer. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he uh, this whole section with grack ends with grack was pleased with himself he'd been useful which i just thought was great
1: oh wow i didn't catch that that's a a really good grab um yeah i mean his whole thing is he wants to be you know have purpose and be useful i think that's all most people really want but he desperately wants that
0: because he you know sent 2500 people to hell on
1: accident so yeah yeah
0: um and he's a dwarf so he can say it in direct terms unlike most of us Good point. Yeah. Okay, so we skip to Valencia, who is staying at home in Bethel and hanging out with Heshnall and talking uh, talking with him. We do have her comment about the, uh, the tongue that they're raising here. Uh, they are being raised from birth in a totally isolated from the rest of the world time chamber, cared for by people who've been paid to, you know, care for them and undergo time dilation. And I just like, I guess I didn't fully comprehend before what was going on. Like, they're raising an entire society inside of a sealed room from birth. That is an intense level of social engineering.
1: Yeah. And seeing it through Valencia's eyes was like, oh, yeah, maybe it is a little messed up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the whatever mom and egg fertilizer agreed to it. So, you know, as long as they're not being mistreated, doesn't sound like the worst way to go.
0: Sounds like, you know, the mom had discontents with how tongue were usually raised. So um i'm just i'm curious how a culture that is like made from scratch would work i assume there'd be all sorts of fiery train wrecks (laughs) as it sorts itself out since cultures you know normally evolve over many millennia i guess it you you know amaryllis is probably really careful with the um lesson plans i guess but how much can she know about tongue biology like no matter how much she studies there's a level of being the species that you can't can't compensate for, right? Uh
1: yeah, I suppose so. Maybe it's just, you know, Bethel's really good at hitting kids who do
0: aren't doing it right and <laughs> she probably is just stoked with opportunities, so I'm just looking forward to like the the internal communist revolution that we get where five hundred thousand commies come boiling out of the time chamber to overthrow Bethel. <laughs> or or something equally crazy, you know? That would be interesting.
1: I yeah. she might have a hard time killing that many, I'm not sure what like you know she can cut stuff or whatever, but can how fast can she cut stuff, yeah, yeah, hmm,
0: it can be like down with the overlords, We are tired of being in your time prison, oh wait, she's got the any blade in her, she could just flatten them wall, maybe that's true, maybe they'll have come up with something maybe for their many decades in the time chamber, but they've would had to learn about like their house, which unless they're
1: given a book on like here's all of your house's weaknesses then yeah. they're gonna have to do it with science in which
0: case then she you know which means just trying stuff and she would notice that pretty fast i mean all they need is one harry james potter evans varus level tongue in there to to munchkin and science's way into into freedom for his peoples yeah that's true but bethel will overhear all of it and read all their nope, notes she and
1: read all their dreams and
0: Yeah, well, assuming she can see into the time chamber, which I think she still denies, but we still think she can, Oh, that's
1: right. Uh, It's at least worth assuming that she can.
0: I forgot that they're all in the time chamber all the
1: time. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That would be – if this all ends in a huge revolt, that would be awesome.
0: It would. Yeah. Uh, But we are going forward um, with Valencia and Heshnall. They're talking – Heshnall says that – well, not says, but – Valencia observes that like other soul mages, he had altered himself slowly and carefully in order to become better at the tasks he laid for himself, more driven, more focused, more cutthroat. Uh, So it sounds like he Moloch himself into becoming, you know, a a better, better tool for achieving his goals. And I think that's pretty awesome. And I kind of wish I could do that, too. (laughs) I I mean, you know,
1: we, we when when we speak of Moloch, we don't talk about how awesome he is right <laughs> you don't maybe <laughs> <laughs> and you look at this and you're like man he molded himself isn't that tight i wish i could do that
0: <laughs> that is like, tight I and wish, i do wish i wish
1: i could be the savage cutthroat that could you know wouldn't have all these hang-ups about doing exactly what it need to do all the time
0: uh, well i mean i don't know about the cutthroat part but the other two are really cool and it's not like he went full you know full age of m on himself he just he just made himself better in some ways and i think that'd be great i would want to do that <laughs> Uh,
1: falloutter basically went age of m on, on himself um uh, yeah. he had his 20 kind of duplicates um, that's true he, i mean he got it as, probably as close as you can get um mm. I, I think you know it's funny you know i i don't know exactly what kinds of alterations he made um you know if i could make myself more driven and focused yeah totally yeah but i i just liked the juxtaposition between first of all I love how you verbed moloch and you know usually if we say that we don't talk about it like it's a good thing but i thought that was funny we usually don't yes but you know it's extended to circumstances yeah but she, she's asking him about fall and then i think that's when she reaches in and grabs a devil um yes yeah oh yeah uh, what's his, his reply at first he's like oh yeah i don't know who he became in prison the things that juniper says i have to admit disturbing uh, and it's like oh okay yeah thanks for conceding that dude like <laughs> you know i'm sure he was just this paragon of virtue when you knew him uh,
0: dude i loved when valencia but just before she grabs the demon she's the devil she's like am i doing small talk bad oh i love that <laughs> yeah
2: because
1: she comes in and she's like yeah hey how you know like i like the flowers you know and in parenthetically it's like this is you know this was me doing small talk and then he goes on like this long tirade about like I don't know, flower magic and how hard things have been or whatever and Valencia thinks like I don't know which one of us is being bad at small talk
0: and I'm like, I'm pretty (laughs) sure it's him (laughs) yes, but she doesn't know and it's adorable Yeah. (laughs) and uh, once she does have the devil in her, she like, just by talking to him for a little while, realizes that uh, he and Solas could be set at each other's throats with a single sentence if need be Uh, and like, she considers, it almost sounds like she's considering doing it, or at least knowing that she has that, that weapon up her sleeve if she needs it, which was just kind of like the, the drastic change that happens as soon as she takes in a devil is cool.
1: Yeah. And it's the same thing that is just me, like gets me thinking like, bitch, you, you, you're supposed to lay off that because, so you don't have thoughts like this, you know, we don't need you to be having this kind of knowledge. Um, but. She so, like at that when when I saw that, I was like, oh great, she's still on the you know the the fast train straight to hell, but uh mm-hmm. she does like basically fully assuaging by the end of this chapter that she's on the up and up, so
0: she does yes I, I this was this was really cool. she says she felt the itch to change him to craft him into a better version of himself. It would take time and careful speech, especially if she didn't want to reveal the devil she was using, but she thought she could probably do it, and then she says. I have some books and releases the devil instead. And how it's just really cool to see her resist the temptation of doing that like that. Just, she, she, she took the right path and that's, I don't know. It's less exciting, but also like you want to cheer for her and be happy. Right.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that would have been fun, but I don't want to read the the story of like, you know, the evil psychopath monster who we thought was on our side doing something sinister. Like yes, that would have been exciting, but I'm glad that she is leaning into the "I want to be Hermione Granger" thing.
0: I yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess I, I was I was kind of contemplating like it would have made a really awesome side plot or complication. Like if she had fallen back into her devil ways and started doing this, and I would have really liked to see that too, and her struggling with like a devil addiction or something. You know, like that would have been I would have loved it because I I like seeing people torture themselves, but. It's also, you know, like you said, there are wholesome, heartwarming moments in this series, and this was one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's still time, you know, for her to, to fall off the wagon and start, you know, getting people to kill each other. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I the the thrust of their conversation was like, um, you know, by the way, Volter sucked. You know, he was a bad, or no, that's basically Valencia, you know, not saying that, but saying that. Like he wasn't Mm -hmm. a really good dad is a nice way to put it, Um, Mm -hmm. and there was a nice heavy line where um, I think that I can't remember the exact phrasing because I didn't pull it out, but it was like um, you know he made me and uh, Hesnold says something like oh yeah you know it's he thought that he was just like doing experiments on like something that kind of wasn't like you know sentient because he thought that was what the soul was did and I kind of thought the same thing but you are and that makes it worse like it's like he kind of has to be dragged around to that point mm-hmm. um and it's it's just a a drag um yeah and on the plus side though he you know he could sit there and beat himself up or whatever and or he could have resisted the merely human attempts to make him a better person because she mm-hmm. releases the devil power but he says "Nah, yeah that sounds great I'll, i'd love to read those books it's been a while been a long time since i've read for pleasure and oh, yeah. I think it's awesome. You know, I think I can't remember what I put in my actual notes there. I think I, I can find it. And it says, um, I put heart. Everyone can, wants to, and try to become a better version of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was a good comment. Not going to lie, Val. You had me worried there for the first few minutes. High five though. Convert him to a better life with Harry Potter,
0: not satanic trickery. <laughs> It, it didn't occur to me that's that's what she was doing by using Harry Potter, but I think you're totally right. Oh, yeah. And that is a better way to do She's it. She's going to plant the seeds of true love and kindness in him. <laughs> exactly. She's going to get him pregnant Right. true love and kindness.
1: <laughs> um. Here was the line that I liked. He says, I am sorry for what you went through. People may claim that you are not a person, but it's only because it's easier for them to justify what they have done to you. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? For a Nazi apologist, he ain't half bad. Mm-hmm. So high five. I think that I also like until it mentioned that he was there um, in the last chapter or whatever. I totally forgot he was like just living in the house without helping. Yeah. Just kind of
0: hanging out. Yeah. So he's just been not sure what to do. He's been squatting this whole time. Mm hmm. I'm assuming he'll come in useful. Oh, yeah. At some point in the near future. Well, yeah. now he's back on the screen. So, you know,
1: he's not going to just come on, talk and then never be seen again. He's going to do something cool. It's going to be great.
2: Yeah.
0: OK, well, that brings us to the end. It does. Look at that so um for next week that's what i'm doing now right i'm jumping into the next week stuff uh i'm looking forward to it i'm excited okay cool just making sure that wasn't forgetting something uh for next week we are doing three chapters because like i said these chapters get long for a while here and this is one of these times when we have uh three long chapters in a row and you are uh, the god so- of this podcast and your word is law and anyone else can suck it so okay yeah. there we go
1: I mean, it would be mean for you to say that, but that is
0: just the case.
1: I'm just, I'm just gracking this conversation.
0: (laughs) I am glad that we have someone here to do this for me. (laughs) Uh, So the next three chapters are 144, Skewered, 145, Freshman, and 146, Terrors of the Black Age.
1: Well, clearly we've got college and kebabs, but I'm trying to figure out what Terrors of the Black Age are. Hmm i'm kidding obviously so skewered i guess that maybe he's gonna go do the you know um whatever that quest was you know he had a life um Mm -hmm. but maybe it's gonna be him having coffee with raymer either way it's fun freshman hey he's going to school good for him Mm -hmm. and
0: terrorists of the black age no fucking clue we will find out i'm very excited um, yeah. So everybody, thank you for joining us. Remember, you can always rate and review us. We totally love that. Uh, almost as much as we love patrons, if you would like to patronize us. Yeah, I do have a shout out here
1: for Sharer, um, who I think I mentioned on a podcast in like October that I didn't have the willpower like to commit to like, I don't know. Now it sounds like I'm back for myself. I'm not. I'm shouting out to a patron. He messaged me. He's like, hey, if you want some motivation, like quit nicotine because you mentioned that you wanted to how would I become a patron if you quit? And I was like, you know, that sounds like a, I don't want to like, you know, have you dangle your money, like for anything like that. Like, I feel bad doing it, but I appreciate the encouragement. And that's kind of where we left it. And like I said, like a tentative timeline at the end of November, and it's been like, I don't know, a couple of weeks. So week and a half, I'm bad at days. But uh, so I messaged him at the beginning when we were doing like the audience feedback thing. And the reply mm-hmm. came too late for me to get it at the beginning of the episode. But at the end, um high five to our patron char we owe you one so um,
0: thank you and if you if we i mean we especially owe you one for helping break an addiction that's that's freaking awesome no it's mainly the patron money i mean well yes that too okay. i don't know i don't i don't want to i feel weird talking
1: like it's not an accomplishment but i guess like it's silly i don't know why i feel all sheepish about it um
0: <laughs> and we also don't want all our future patrons to think that they have to do something like break one of us of an addiction before they can give us money
1: but if you want me to start slipping, uh, like nicotine, um, mints into Inyash's breakfast every morning to get him hooked, and then someone has to pay to get him unhooked, you know, I could make that happen. So
0: oh, these perverse incentives, there'll be the death of us.
1: It, eating enough nicotine to make you addicted would actually probably be the death of you. So,
0: oh yeah, yeah, that'd be bad. All right. Okay. So don't kill me, please.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you you can, you can help not kill us by, uh, like Inyash said, finding us on Patreon. Um,
0: if you want me to not die you must give us money
1: (laughs) if you you know we're tired whatever support alexander Wales on his patreon as well um hell yes and just again big shout out for the week as always thank you alexander this is his game we're just playing it
0: indeed see you next week